0: It's okay, Aunt Alex. I'm a man now. Oh, <laughs> thank you.
1: That reservation's still standing? Barely. And how you doing, little
0: partner? Fine. And it's little visitor now. Attawaioli <laughs> is how you say it in Cherokee. Oh, well, pardon my French, but uh, I'll be damned. <laughs> Walker told me I have AIDS.
2: Everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Not a Bomb Podcast. Uh, I don't know why you're listening. We warned you last week; just skip this episode. We're 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 doing a Chuck Norris double feature, and if you made it past the intro, that should tell you exactly what what this week's show is going to be like. Uh, it's going to be dumb. I, I we think it might be funny in parts, but it's it's probably stupid humor. And and we're going to talk about two Chuck Norris films. But you were warned. You were warned last week. You're warned now. If you just stop and uh, pick us up next week, I'm I'm sure your your life will be all the better for it. Uh, Brad, how are you doing this week?
0: Doing well. Uh, confession. Yes, I've watched that Walker Texas Ranger clip no less than a thousand times. Yes, and that's not <laughs> being hyperbolic.
2: It uh, it showed up on Conan O'Brien. I think uh, is how that's I where found
0: I it. originally yeah. saw it from because I was not a Walker Texas Ranger guy, but Conan loved that clip, and uh, once it was out into the wild. I, every time I'm, I'm feeling down about myself, man, I Google Walker told me I have AIDS and perky right up.
2: Yeah, there you go. Well, we couldn't, we couldn't tackle the topic of Chuck Norris, uh, such a cinema icon, unless I believe we had, it's
0: a little visitor,
2: little visitor. Yeah. Well, we have our own little visitor, uh, yeah. this week,
1: <laughs> none other than Jose
2: himself. How are, how are you doing this week? Jose?
1: I'm doing great. Happy to be back. Absolutely happy to be back. And, uh, wow, you guys picked, uh, At first, I thought you guys set me up because I started with Top Dog. And then I was like, well, whatever. It's going to be what it's going to (laughs) be.
0: Yeah,
2: Brad, what what are we talking about this week?
0: Yeah, so we are starting off in uh, 1992 Mm -hmm. with um, a film. Actually, it says 1992 because it released overseas in 1992. But it's really 1993 uh, with Sidekicks. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to 1995 with the Buddy Cop film. Top, top dog. dog. Yeah. Top dog. Crazy. I, I've got a lot of lawyer questions for top dog. So uh, I do use... too. I do yeah. too. Uh,
2: <laughs> you know, before we get into these films, I, I just want to talk about the man himself, Chuck Norris. Real quick, I'm going to start with you, Jose. What, what's your take on Chuck? I mean, are you a fan? Is he somebody that you kind of have just searched out all of his films from his filmography and watched them all? I know you're an action junkie, so I'm really, I'm really curious about your take on him.
1: So... <clears throat> Um, I brought him up before, but my brother was my entree into practically everything super cool that I like now or liked back then. Mm -hmm. And, um, he obviously introduced me to like Bruce Lee and and Jackie Chan. And I knew, I knew, um, Kurt Russell, sorry. I knew Chuck Norris from, from, uh, Bruce Lee, uh, and, you know, enter the dragon, return the the dragon, Dragon. return the dragon. Oh wait yeah, wait, yeah. Is it return? It's return. I'm sorry. Return. It's Return Dragon. of the Dragon. Yeah. Um, and, and so I had I had seen him in that one scene, but I never really sought out his his films. I knew about the canon uh, sort of leg- legacy that he sort of put together with uh, Invasion USA and you know Missing in Action, but I was never really a huge fan. I just knew him as like one of the martial arts legends. Uh, I knew him from Walker, the TV show, even though I never watched that. Um, and uh, I, before this podcast, I actually went back and I looked at a, a bunch of older Chuck Norris films. And I have to say I'm a little flummoxed as to why he sort of became uh, a cultural like icon, an action hero. And maybe it's because of his canon films, but I watched a lot of the the older ones before he started the Canon ones and he's very wooden. There's nothing cinematic about his like martial arts skills. Although he's clearly very, very talented. I mean, the man, the man has won like countless international and domestic, like martial arts, uh, you know, uh, competitions and founded two like of his own Kung Fu styles. And yet, I just could not get the appeal. Like, he can't deliver his lines, and he's, and the stories are terrible in those (laughs) early films. Um, So I was, I was a little flummoxed.
2: (laughs) Which of the earlier films did you check out this week?
1: I watched um, the Booker movies, uh, Good Guys Wear Black, and then The Octagon. Okay. I saw uh, Silent Rage. Um, A force for a force of one. All right. Um, Hero and the Terror, which I did not finish because it was so miserable. Um, <laughs> The Delta Force. Uh, wow. yeah, I think those are the ones I watched quite a bit. Yeah. Well, it, he's a blind spot in my, um, in my, uh, you know, sort of filmography, viewing filmography. I don't think I'll be revisiting any of the other ones, unfortunately. I do like Invasion USA, but. I don't think I'm going to go back and see Missing in Action or watch the Delta Force sequels.
2: Okay. Uh, what about you, Brad? So Chuck Norris, I, I mean, probably when you were coming on to the movie watching scene, he was past his prime and had moved over to television. But I'm I'm curious as in in terms of like your take on him or or your opinion of his filmography.
0: I will go ahead and admit I am not a huge Chuck Norris fan. I like Jose. Don't know if I see the appeal past anything past like eighty-five or eighty-six, like Invasion USA, I will I will say is is decent. Code of Silence is good. Um Eye for an Eye is is a good movie. I think he's got some good movies and some great action set pieces in those, but I don't think any of his films I would say are great and I don't know if I would just out of choosing a movie would pick a Chuck Norris film over another action stars film ever. Oh, like if I want to see something with great action and great choreography, I'll watch a Jackie Chan film and I, or I'll watch a Bruce Lee film or something like that. Like he's just not someone that I think has good choreography in his films. And I don't think, he is as charismatic as a lot of our our favorites. I mean, he's not a Sam-O, he's not a, a Jackie, he's not a Bruce, he's not any of those guys. Um, And that might be unfair, but those are the choices I have. I, I can go out and watch those films at any point in time. I've got a collection of all of them.
2: Yeah, I, I him, think it's... Him t- is just not for me. I've always envisioned Chuck Norris as an American action star more so than a martial arts star.
0: He's a boomer action star, dude. <laughs> so, well, not,
2: not even that. I mean, I will defend his late seventies through the eighties stuff. Now, Delta Force two, uh, I think came out in 1990. I think that's where he drops off for me. Although that last sequence, when him and Billy Draga were being dragged by a helicopter through the uh, jungle, uh, it's, it's a pretty impressive stunt work, but I would say his martial art style is very straightforward. It it is kickboxing or or traditional karate. Uh, there's there's no flourish to it. Outside of his roundhouse kicks, have always looked impressive. But you you can't. I think it's totally unfair to take something like Chuck Norris and go, yeah. Look at Sam Hung. Look at Jackie Chan. I mean, that's Peking Opera versus something that is a traditional American action star. And I, I there are always three films that I would say, are probably my favorite of his. I I don't know if they're his best. I would say two of them are definitely his best. And I would I would definitely watch them over some of the stuff that came out in the 80s. But my three favorite Chuck Norris films would be Lone Wolf, Mc, Lone Wolf McCoy, 1983, which is sort of the inception of his television show, Walker, Texas Ranger. But it, it just has an entirely different feel to it. It's an 80s action film. That borrows heavily from, I think, Spaghetti Westerns even. Uh, and and it's, it's a great 83 uh, American action piece, I think. Invasion USA, you guys have talked about it from 1985, I think is bonkers. There is stunt work in there that is absolutely ridiculous. And I have never seen Chuck Norris want to be Clint Eastwood's Dirty Harry more so than Invasion USA. I, I will give you that he... <laughs> He is not the most charismatic screen presence. He actually tries, I think, to go to the opposite end of that. And Invasion USA is a good example of it, to where there's absolutely no screen presence from Chuck to the point that it's actually fun to watch. Um, and then the other one that came out in '85, which I actually think is his best film, and I think it's his best film more so than because of the director, Andrew Davis. Andrew Davis is a is a good action director, but it's it's 1985's Code of Silence. I think I think that's my favorite of his movies but I, I don't know. I 1990 beyond, I don't know what changed for Chuck Norris. There's not a lot of, um, uh, good quality stuff there, but I would say there's actually some, some diamonds in that filmography from the seventies to eighties. I, and those are the three that I, you know, gravitate to. I I like a force of one. I like an eye for an eye. I like some of that early eighties stuff, but you, you don't go into those films looking for Bruce Lee. You don't go into those films looking for Jackie Chan if you look at his fight scene with Bruce Lee, um, in way of the dragon or return of the dragon, I think it went by both those, um, titles. It's fantastic. I, I, I mean, and I, I love all of the mythos behind the filming of that, where those two, you know, tore up a hotel room and, <laughs> and Bruce Lee couldn't beat Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris couldn't beat Bruce Lee and all this other stuff. But yeah, I, I think he actually, um, I think he became popular because it was cool to make fun of Chuck Norris as an action film or action star. So it became more of an ironic celebrate Chuck Norris, almost like a mystery science theater kind of thing. But I honestly think if you look in the 70s and 80s of his work, there's some good stuff in there. That's Would you day. put him
0: on the Mount Rushmore of action stars?
2: No, 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 no. Okay, I, I mean, okay. if I just
0: want to, I just want to set the bar and see where we were going. I okay. think
2: it's super. I think he's super important, though, in terms of '80s action cinema in general. Uh, I, I, I think he is an influencer from that perspective. Well,
0: I love, I love Cannon Films, and so therefore, indirectly, I have a somewhat decent respect for Chuck Norris. But I again, there's just people I will always go to
1: before him. I think Troy's right, though, about the fact that he. <clears throat> um, so I, I I think that his notoriety in some ways and knowing the background, the, the martial arts and him fighting Bruce Lee, I think that sort of clouded what I was expecting when I went back and visited his filmography. But I, I more to Troy's point, I think he is an important uh, domestic U.S. action star. Um, he is definitely somewhere like you know like like a clint eastwood john wayne type with the flair of the karate and the, and the kicking um but he definitely i mean without him there there wouldn't be like a you know a, a steven seagal or um or a, a jean-claude van damme I, that Jean-Claude whole damme, era exactly. of
2: action films wouldn't exist i don't think without chuck norris right and, and i i would say this chuck norris for i think a lot of people in the 80s became the bridge to a lot of martial arts exposure outside of the US. Now, I I know people in the seventies, et cetera, might've grown up with the Shaw brothers and, and, you know, there was a gateway drug through Bruce Lee, et cetera. But there's a time period where people, you know, were born in the eighties and kind of grew up with some of the, maybe the missing in action films, et cetera, or the late stage Chuck Norris. And that really became a bridge for them to discover the other stuff. And and especially if they went back and said, Hey, I love Chuck Norris, let me go watch this movie where he plays the villain with Bruce Lee. I mean, there you go. Now now you're into the Bruce Lee category. But I don't know if he belongs on the Mount Rushmore, but if if you had asked me, like if you're talking 80s action cinema, he'd be he'd be a Mount Rushmore icon for me.
1: There's a bit of a callback too to um, is it the Billy Billy Jack movies? Yeah. Where he's kind of like a he's like a cowboy, but he's also doing like big kicks and and kicking people in the face and stuff like that. So um but yeah, he's uh he wouldn't be on the Mount Rush more, but he certainly he would be part of the evolutionary map of of action stars. If we were to do like a, you know, from ape to human, there would be like, you know Yeah, he's like
0: still hunched over, but like not <laughs> yes. all the way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Well
2: let's let's just do a little background run on him because here th- there's some impressive stuff about Chuck Norris. So born in nineteen forty, okay, so he's a little bit older. Uh he was in the United States Air Force from nineteen fifty-eight to sixty-two. And following his military service, he opened some martial arts studios and he also started competing. Uh, as he started winning more and more tournament titles, he expanded his martial arts school and started teaching celebrities like Steve McQueen, Bob Barker, Priscilla Presley, Donnie Marie Osmond, started getting some notoriety that way. And he ended up with a minor role in 1969's The Wrecking Crew. That's kind of where his acting career started. And then Bruce Lee invited him to play the main villain in 1972's Way of the Dragon. I think it's also called Return of the Dragon in some circles. His friend, Steve McQueen, about this time, suggested that he start taking acting more seriously. So he landed a lead in a film called Breaker Breaker in 1977. So there was a time period in the late 50s, uh, 50s, late 70s, where trucker movies were becoming really popular And so this is a merge of the trucker film with the martial arts film, right? So he does that. Good Guys Wear Black in 78, Force of One in 79, Octagon in 1980, um, which is now we're introducing the ninjas to the American audience. So you can thank Chuck Norris for that. Um, And then An Eye for an Eye in 1981. So it's about this time period now. He's kind of an international celebrity. So all these films that he was in from like 77 to 81 – they, they make some bank. I mean, they're, they're like a million dollar budgets, if not a little bit less. And, and they have a really good return on investment. So about 1984, he signs with Canon films and he starts his missing an action series, which is your, what, which you would, I don't know, define as like the B side of a Rambo film. Right? So it's, it's yeah. along those lines. Yep. Uh, eventually his film career leads him to a successful long running TV show that starts in the early 90s, Walker, Texas Rangers. So that ran from 1993 to 2001. I mean, it it ran for a long time. Here are some of the distinctions and honors that Mr. Norris has had over his career. So while he was in the military, his rank units were Airman First Class, 15th Air Force, 22nd Bombardment Group, and 452nd Troop Carrier Wing. He's received a bunch of black belts. These include a 10th degree black belt in Chun. Uh, let me make sure I say this correctly because I believe this is his system. Um, Chun Kukdo, a ninth degree black belt in Tang Do, an eighth degree black belt in Taekwondo, a fifth degree black belt in karate, a third degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and a black belt in Judo. So he knows his stuff. Okay. Uh, 1967, he won the sparring grand champions at the South uh, or the S. Henry Cho's All American Championship, and won it again the following year. In 1968, he won the professional middleweight karate champion title, which he held for six consecutive years. After that, in '69, he won the karate's triple crown for the most tournament wins of the year, and that's the thing about his fighting style. It even on screen, it's very direct. There's no real flourishes to it. But, you know, I would say nobody does a roundhouse kick better than Chuck Norris. So uh, 1969, he won the Fighter of the Year Award by Black Belt Magazine. In 1982, he won Action Star of the Year at the Show West Convention. In 1989, he received his star on the Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame. So, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. 1992, he won International Box Office Star of the Year at Show West Convention. Okay.
1: Show Nine- West loves him.
2: Yeah, Show West <laughs> loves him because he makes money. The dude he makes, makes money, money. exactly. Yeah. In 97, he won the special award of being a Texas legend at the Lone Star Film and Television Awards. Texas loves this guy, right? From 97 to 98, he won three consecutive years, the BMI TV music award at the BMI awards. In 1999, Chuck Norris was inducted into the martial arts history museum's hall of fame. In 1999, he was nominated for favorite actor in a drama by the TV guide award. In 1991, Uh, No, sorry, 1999, he won the Inspirational Acting and Television Award at the Grace Prize Award.
0: I'm guessing that's like a Bible I I think so.
2: More religious conservative Mm -hmm. award there. On July 1st, 2000, Norris was presented the Golden Lifetime Achievement Award by the World Karate Union Hall of Fame. In 2001, he received the Veteran of the Year at the American Veteran Awards. In 2001, he won the Golden Boot at the – I don't know what the Golden Boot Awards are. I don't know. I didn't look that one up. This, Is that like a martial arts thing? <laughs> I guess. I mean, Golden Boot, kick to the face. I don't know. Here's where it gets really interesting. These are the awards I really love. On March 2 – let's see. March 28, 2007, Commandant General James T. Conway made Norris an honorary United States Marine during a dinner at the Commandant's Residence in Washington, (laughs) D.C. On December 2nd, 2010, he, along with his brother, Aaron Norris, was given the title Honorary Texas Ranger by Texas Governor Rick Perry. In 2010, he won the Lifetime Achievement Award at Action Fest. In 2017, he was honored as the Honorary Texan because for many years he has lived at his Texas ranch And he starred as a Texas Ranger, um, both on film and in television and by 2022. So he's an author as well. Okay. So he's written a book called martial arts, masters and pioneers biography, Chuck Norris, giving back for a lifetime. Um, and he's, and I can't, I didn't write the other title of his book down, but it's another one where it's basically, you know, Chuck Norris on social uh, issues and politics, et cetera.
0: Oh, so, I'm sure that one is great. Uh,
2: I'm sure it is too. But yeah, he's published a couple of books. Um, he's <laughs> got a couple of biographies out there. But yeah, uh, he's he's had a pretty, I don't know, respectable career. And say what you will about him, love him or hate him, if you go from the, you know, I don't know, late 70s in terms of the film industry, television, all the way up to now, I mean, the guy's had an impact.
1: Actually I have a couple of addendums to um your wonderful recitation of his achievements. of course and, and you do you are the research they're, king and they I mean those are pretty amazing achievements which which again, you know not to not to sort of like uh make up for my bewilderment at him being an action hero you know it's that notoriety that like when I went back to visit those films, I was expecting like craziness and I mm-hmm didn't quite get it but anyway i was gonna say i think it's chuck kundo chuck kundo or it's probably pronounced like chuk kundo or something like that um and then he also i think american tang sudo is his version of the system he learned in korea when he was in the air force Mm -hmm. um and then uh, uh i i don't know if you i did you mention this maybe not his career ran from like the sixties in terms of um fighting on the circuit, from the sixties until about nineteen seventy-four. And I think he had only managed five losses out of all of the fights that he had over the over a decade. And most
2: most of those losses were early in his career. I Meaning yes. he he took it on the chin pretty good and then came yeah. back and then just dominated that circuit for, for mm. many, many and, years. And-
1: you're right about that. It was it was the it was five early in his career, and then it never happened again, which is pretty amazing. Um, he's an honorary Texas Ranger. There, um, there have only been five other honorary Texas Rangers, so it's him and his brother Aaron, and then Will Rogers, John Wayne, and George H. Bush. Ooh. So pretty esteemed company there. Although I'm kind of wondering how Aaron got it, but anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, and then, uh, with regards to the Walker Texas Ranger show. Um, that character, Cordell Walker, appeared in a spinoff which only lasted six episodes. It was called Sons of Thunder. And then he also parlayed that character into appearances on Martial Law, which Samuel was Hurt. a martial arts law enforcement series done on CBS. Um, around this I'm not gonna say it's around the same time, but towards the tail end of Walker.
2: yeah, no, uh, I, I mean, again, you wouldn't you wouldn't have Samuel hung starring in a TV show without Walker, Texas Ranger. yes, so yes. that that was a pretty impressive night for face kicking.
1: and then I think um if the list if the listeners don't already know Brad's sort of um uh, mockery of his political book, let's just say maybe we won't visit it, although, he uh, he has a very controversial, conservative viewpoint. He's very uh, Catholic or Christian and um, doesn't believe in evolution, apparently, doesn't believe that there should be a separation of church and state and has endorsed some pretty questionable people, one of them being Viktor Orban of Hungary. Um, so, but anyway, that would be because, of, I mean, I would say that's why Brad was sort of like, oh, but that was an interesting book. <laughs> And um, I I don't know, I was shocked to sort of figure that out because you you just think it's somebody who's in Hollywood, prolifically in Hollywood, making these kinds of pictures. I'm shocked that he has those sort of like really staunch conservative views. But I'm actually not surprised if you go back and look at his early films, the seeds of conservatism are in there. Like he's very patriotic, very, this is how you do things. And it's very black and white, moralistic. And it's like, if you're a deviant, you should be killed, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. Um, shocking, but not surprising.
0: True. Well, and I think that might be one of the reasons why he is popular with a certain aspect of, or a certain like niche of people is he's got his own little corner and he stays there and, you know, he doesn't come out and say, he's not woke. He's anti-woke. So yes.
2: Hey, that's what makes him probably a great example of 80s action cinema. I mean, let's be fair. If you look at the the 80s to the mid 80s, there was a very definitive rah-rah America, right? Very conservative point of view, which when you take a, I don't know, look at it today, it adds some irony to it, maybe a little bit of humor, uh, but it also gives it it's, I don't know, a certain feel to it, right? Yeah. So
1: actually, strangely, um, when I look, I, I, by the way, the one, another movie that I did see of his was Code of Silence, which was my favorite out of all the ones that I had watched.
2: Yeah, it's a good um, film.
1: But what's curious is Code of Silence is the is the type of Chuck Norris movie that I thought I was going to be seeing when I started watching, like, you know, Good Guys Wear Black, etc. Um, and and here's the curious note of it. Chuck Norris obviously knew he was on to something. He started a production company. He started making his own films. The first film that he made, surprisingly, was Silent Rage, which is weird because that movie just has weird lapses. It's it's a horror film. There's a ton of nudity. It's Chuck's, like, first, like, lovemaking scene, and it's super awkward, and um, it's very, very violent, and it deals with like science and bringing, you know, dead people back to life and like Frankenstein stuff. So it's just odd that he's known for code of silence. And yet his first production film is a film like silent rage, which by the way was also the first time he played a Texas law enforcement person, but whatever it is, what it is. Yeah. (laughs) So the big question that I
2: have, uh, is in today's day and age, you don't talk about Chuck Norris without also talking about your favorite Chuck Norris jokes. So, do do you guys
0: have your favorite Chuck Norris jokes? I, I have one.
2: You have one? Okay. Yes. Let's hear it.
0: <clears throat> Chuck Norris sleeps with a nightlight, not because Chuck Norris is afraid of the dark, but the dark is afraid of Chuck Norris.
2: Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you have a Do you have one or two or a few, Jose?
1: So mine's probably one of the more popular ones, and I think it's the one that he used. Uh, he used in was it Expendables three? He was Expendables in? two. Two, yep. two. Sorry, yeah. uh, the one that says, "You know, when the boogeyman goes, when the boogeyman goes to sleep at night, he checks his closet for Chuck Norris." Oh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: here are my favorites. I have a few. Okay, uh, Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Too bad he has never cried. I like that one. <laughs> the uh, chief export of Chuck Norris is pain. Uh, Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice. That one's that one's for my my wife, since she's a math teacher, uh, Chuck Norris stands faster than anyone can run. Uh, Chuck Norris can drown a fish. I don't know if you knew that <laughs> <laughs> now my all time favorite. Cause the minute I heard this one, I committed it to memory. This, this is my favorite one. So Chuck Norris destroyed the periodic table because Chuck Norris only recognizes the element of surprise.
1: Wah, wah. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs>
2: um, so if, if we're going to talk Chuck Norris films, it would be easy to go through and pick a bunch uh, from a critical perspective, <laughs> because surprisingly there's, there's quite a few Chuck Norris films that don't rate very high. Uh, now what you will be surprised with though, is how many do rate high in the eighties. Like he, I would say there are a lot of films more winners than losers in the 80s where he got favorable reviews plus made a lot of money. I think for this episode, if we were going to talk Chuck Norris, we wanted to concentrate in the 90s. Because I think the 90s are super interesting if you're a Chuck Norris fan. At this point, he's transitioned to television for the most part. He's he's really committed to Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, Nepotism is running rampant here because his brother's just directing and writing everything for him uh and we'll talk about that but uh, when when you start talking about the 90s now you're talking about okay chuck norris is not very bankable in terms of the film studios at all and i think he gets his worst reviews uh within a lot of the stuff that he's cranking out in the 90s so brad got to pick one i got to pick one um i had never seen either of these films i kind of stopped yeah. watching chuck norris movies after delta force 2 uh maybe the hitman and some of the early 90s stuff but Definitely Walker, Texas Ranger on anything that he put out outside Expendables 2, blind spot for me. So I was really excited to watch these two. Um, but Brad, you had seen Sidekicks before, right?
0: Oh, yes. This was an HBO staple for me. So <laughs> it, I I've seen it way too many times.
2: Okay. What about you, Jose? These two films we're talking about tonight, first time watches or?
1: So, 92, 93, that would have put me in college. Um, And I think I was more interested in films like Showgirls and Twister to waste my time with sidekicks. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. So, you're bringing the class out, I see. Okay. Well, look, I, I think I saw it as a kid's movie just because, you know... Jonathan Brandis is on the the cover of it the poster so. Oh, true true. Well, we're, I
2: think are, are we starting chronologically? Is this how we're going to do it? We're going to yeah, start we'll, with sidekicks?
0: We'll, we'll go we'll go to 93 first. 92
2: yeah. 93.
0: Yeah, we'll, whatever. 92. okay. It okay. was released in the United States <laughs> in 1993.
2: Got it. But it but it was released internationally in 92, right?
0: Yeah, this ain't Germany, my friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: so, take us so, take us woo-hoo. in the time machine, Brad. 1992 <laughs> 93.
0: Yeah, so Sidekicks released April 9th, um, 1993, but released wide um, April 30th, 1993. Um, I wanted to be kind to this movie because it was released in like 61 theaters um, on the 9th. and only grossed about 256 k that opening weekend, which was good for 18th place. But when it opens wide, um, it makes $3.7 million on its way to a $17.1 million gross. I could not find a budget for this one. I had read Um,
2: somewhere. It was now the story I heard is one of the producers was a furniture or mattress guy.
0: Yeah. So it's Mattress Mac. So I don't know if you know who Mattress (laughs) Mac is, but he is a notorious sports gambler now. uh, But he is a world. I wouldn't say world famous, but he's a Texan who is, is, sells mattresses and has done it for a long time, is a millionaire and he gambles on sports like crazy. So you'll see him go to the Super Bowl and he'll make like a five million dollar bet. He always loses. So whoever Mattress <laughs> Mag bets on, go the other way because oh, he always okay. loses.
2: So that's amazing. Chuck Norris was doing TV commercials for him for his business. And Chuck Norris had this idea, I guess, for sidekicks. And the mattress king ponied up eight million bucks. <laughs> so apparently this film cost about you know anywhere let's say eight to, to 10 million in production i don't i don't know what the advertising is etc but yeah um, the, the, I, of our two films this is probably the the one that actually was kind of profitable
0: kinda. yeah I, I would say close to it or broke even but yeah. um <laughs> so we do have rotten tomatoes um we have a 26 percent by the critics oh we have a 48 percent with the audience um, that's over 5,000 um, audience ratings as well. But Troy, I have a treat for us today. Oh, boy. Oh, Movieguide.org. Yes. Our Christian website has reviewed this movie. Ooh. And I will tell you this. Sidekicks is the highest rated film we've ever done. Are you it's kidding?
2: A, did it Did it score a four?
0: It scored a three. No. A oh,
2: plus
1: oh
0: three. I was going to say
1: two. I was
0: going to say a a two. plus.
2: okay just to level set if anybody's just running across the show you want to tell the rating (laughs) score for
0: yeah so movieguide.org is a christian website that uh reviews films not for their quality but for their content and it scales from negative four which is um you're you're going to hell if you see this film. yeah yeah and then plus four is you're going to um, heaven if you watch this film you're Protesting outside of a Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, zinger. Uh, so, for some reason, this movie is a plus three. Um, just wow. To put it in context, I believe The Rocketeer was a minus one. Yeah, yeah. I no. I feel like. I feel like, what? Oh, I feel like Chuck Norris is getting the old benefit of the doubts when it comes to movie guide. But here we go. <clears throat> Benefit of Christianity (laughs) emphasizes Uh self-esteem achieving goals and dreams. Yes. Having a hero to look up to working hard for what you want and teamwork. Hmm. There's so many commas in these sentences. That was one sentence. (laughs) It's a family oriented film marred by colon six minor obscenities and two exclamations. Okay. Okay. Uh, slapstick violence played out in several different scenarios, depicting Norris fighting alongside Barry, but no deaths. Two scene where boys kisses girl boy picks on Barry until Barry fights back in karate tournament with competitive action.
1: Huh? Plus three. Plus three.
0: Plus.
2: Wow. Three. I believe it. I believe it.
1: Um, but they don't even mention Bullying. Or, or do a, that a little bit. There's a bully, okay. yeah, yeah. Got I it. mean,
2: okay, it's not promoting, promoting being a bully, it's standing up to the bullies. Well,
0: but they you also, know, I
1: understand, but like the never, Christian guide is, yeah,
0: they never talk about the slur for handicapped people or anything like that. You know, the hard R word that they say quite a few times in this movie. A lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like I said, this movie comes out April 1993, it comes out December 1992 internationally, that's in the German market. But in April 1993, you could have seen films such as The Adventures of Huck Finn, Cop Ew. and a Half, The Crush, uh, Indecent Proposal, which was the oh. big movie that year. I love uh, that movie. The Sandlot. Oh, okay. This Boy's Life, uh, Benny and June. Ah, oh, Benny and June. Boiling, boiling Points. Uh, let's see, Indian boiling Summer.
2: Oh, boiling Point was uh, Wesley, Wesley Snipes, Snipes and yep. Dennis Hopper.
0: That's yeah, correct. Yes, yep. um, and that's kind. Ka- oh, and who's the man?
2: Oh, who's the man?
0: Who's the man? Okay, uh, what was no. that? I don't
1: even remember that.
0: Jesus, it's a musical. What by New Line?
2: Okay, who's... I don't know. So not <laughs> not a lot of choice. I mean, yeah, there's some. I mean,
1: Sandlot's a classic uh bernie Mac, queen latifah ed lover dr Ice dre TV? oh directed by ted to yeah um, ted to
0: wow okay uh yeah so that's that's your info for sidekicks
2: all right Barry. Well, we, <laughs> Barry. Uh, we've got you on here jose it i am not even gonna touch the people who made sidekicks for all those who are working behind the camera i'm gonna just toss that over to you so why don't you give us okay. a little background of the people who came together behind the camera to make this, uh, hey, why
0: don't you tell us about this war criminal, Aaron Norris? <laughs> Is Aaron Norris a war criminal? What He,
1: he made these two movies.
2: Oh, 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 Brad's saying it's a hate crime. I it's get a hate it. crime. I, I got it. it. I got, yeah, it. I got yeah, it. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, okay, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm
1: now up on the jokes. I yeah, it took um, me. A, I was, <laughs> took me a minute. All right. All right. So, um, uh, Troy, you alluded to this before, but they're, uh, And I don't know, this is kind of admirable. Chuck Norris basically started a uh, Norris film dynasty is what I'm going to call it. Um, Troy calls it nepotism. I call it the Norris film dynasty. Um, But essentially, almost everyone in Chuck's immediate family has worked on, in some capacity, almost every single one of his films. So let's start with the director, Aaron Norris. This is actually Chuck's brother, by the way. Chuck Norris's first real name is Carlos. Carlos <laughs> um, Norris. <laughs> Carlos yep. Norris. Um, so Aaron Norris, uh, he is the conservatives um, wouldn't like that too much, so you had to go by Chuck. Yeah. They would not like Carlos, so they would go by Chuck, yes. Um, so he so Chuck actually has two other brothers. Aaron is one. Wyland Norris um, was unfortunately killed in Vietnam on June 3rd. He and Aaron were both serving um, in the military. Uh, Aaron has three years as a sergeant and is also a 10th degree black belt in, not surprisingly, Chuck Norris's um, martial arts uh, founded uh, systems, American Tank Pseudo and Chuck Kundo. Um, initially, Aaron started as a stunt person. And um, in Chuck Norris movies, Breaker Breaker, the Booker series, uh, that that's the Good Guys Wear Black and the Octagon, Silent Rage, and then he would basically go on to play a role in practically every Norris film, whether that's as a stunt man, a stunt coordinator, um, even a you know a, a writer. In some ways, he has an uncredited storyline for Braddock Missing in Action Three, which was actually his directing debut. Again. Norris Film Dynasty slash nepotism. Yeah, I'm going to um, call that nepotism, but you can call it whatever you want. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's actually credited for the story for Invasion USA as well. He wrote for the Sons of Thunder and Walker, Texas Ranger um, series. Uh, any, th- so here are some non-Chuck Norris related films that he was in. He was credited with doing stunts in Ant-Man, Albert Punes Dangerously Close, which I think is underappreciated. You guys should maybe do that for your, um, for the, for not a bomb, Uh, the naked cage and caged heat. So apparently he also gravitates towards women in prison uh, movies too. (laughs) Everybody's Um, got, everybody's got their thing, right? Everybody's got something. Okay. So we have our writers. They are Lou Alar and Galen Thompson, who's also credited as Donald G Thompson. I'll start with Thompson and then I'll move on to Alar because he's actually very, very interesting. Um, so, Thompson, he started as an actor, did bit parts in films in the 70s and 80s. You probably have heard these titles before Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm-hmm. Battle Beyond the Stars. But he ended up becoming a screenwriter and working mainly in television, and is most known for the 70s thriller The Evil with Richard Crenna and Andrew Prine, um, The Last Reunion, which is also known as Revenge of the Bushido Blade, and then the 80s horror film Superstition, which I just remember the com- commercial scaring the crap out of me as a kid, but I don't think I ever watched the movie. Um, but Thompson has gone on to write Hitman, Sidekicks, Hellbound, and Forest Warrior, which I think was the last big theatrical That was theatrical film. after
2: Top Dog, I believe.
1: Chuck Norris, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, moving on to Lou Alar. This was actually his sole producing and writing credit. But what's curious about him is... He is a 40 year Kung Fu master. He has uh, in the eighties, he was promoted by the Republic of China as the regional liaison for the promotion of Chinese traditional arts. Mm -hmm. He is a college professor of communication and history and authored a text called Americanization of the Chinese new year in Louisiana. He has won multiple awards for inside Kung Fu magazine, um, also awards for man of the year, humanitarian of the year. And then once we get into this, you'll see why he was attached to this project. He worked a lot with individuals with disabilities. In fact, it was a starting foundational philosophy for his Kung Fu studio. And he actually lobbied on behalf of the American Disability Act. And in 2004 was part of the president's national initiative on physical fitness for children and youth with disabilities. Um, and then moving on just really quickly. <laughs> yes. Like as a good guy, <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> I don't, and then actually. moving moving on uh just really quickly the composer is alan silvestri um very famous you know him from his scores for back to the future the predator roger rabbit that's a surprised of, uh,
2: that credit out of all of the credits on this film that's the one that surprised me more than anything
1: it, yes uh and it's probably because the chuck connection is he scored the delta force yes and curiously enough the theme from the delta force was used for uh, the ABC sports Indie 500 broadcast. They would uh, use Blair, the theme in the beginning of the, of the whatever um, we have a production designer, ruin freed. Um, he has a Chuck connection as well. He was the production designer for Walker and the sons of thunder TV show. He's also done the look who's talking movies, a Christmas story. So he's probably responsible for that leg lamp mm-hmm. um, porkies. And he was the art director for prom night and the seventies thriller, the changeling. Um, and then, uh, both this movie and Top Dog share the same director, Aaron Norris, and the same director of photography, a Mr. Joao Fernandez. And what's curious about Joao Fernandez, and bear in mind, listeners, as you're listening, you know, Chuck's conservative background, the curious thing about Joao Fernandez is that, yes, he is a director of photographer, f- photography. His biggest movies probably first started with a film called Stacy's Nights, where he was the DP. That starred uh, Kevin Costner, Andrew Millian, and then Lloyd Cadillac. Um, And he went on to do uh, director of photography for horror films like Friday the 13th, the Final Chapter, Children of the Corn, and a film called The Big Score with Fred Williamson. He's a big uh, blaxploitation yeah. actor, John Saxon. Ooh. Also did um, the DP for the photography for Hollywood Vice Squad, which I believe stars Carrie Fisher. And eventually he moved into TV movies. Okay, so where does it get interesting for him? What gets interesting for him are two things. One, he started as an actor and was featured in a film called The Amazing Transplant. I'm gonna read the synopsis from IMDb. A seemingly pleasant fellow Arthur goes berserk and rapes any woman in front of him wearing gold earrings. One woman tells the investigating detective she was raped and flashes back to an erotic lovemaking scene. Another one, a lesbian, relates a story that has to be seen to be believed. Other women flash back to their encounters with Arthur. We then find out from a doctor in another flashback that Arthur underwent a penis transplant with a just dead friend, unknowing to him, who was a serial rapist, rapist who preyed on golden earringed women.
2: Wow. Okay. Okay, yes. let me play that back for a second. So you can have a transplant of your thing and whatever fetish you
1: had. You can say dick. Of your dick. Right. And you take on the qualities of said donor. Well, we all know that our brain is in our dick. Okay. (laughs) For a guy, that kind of makes sense.
2: All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Just make sure I, I heard that right.
1: Yes. And then the other curious thing is following in the footsteps of Barry Sonnenfeld, who's a great director of photography and director. Joel Fernandez is mostly known for being a DP for lots of porn films. Mm. A ton of them. So under the name Harry Flex... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry. <laughs> Why, he was God, the DP. so immature. He mm. was the DP for a ton of porno films in the 60s and 80s with titles like California Gigolo, which stars John Holmes. I actually like that movie. Um, anything Once... That's outrageous. <laughs> but more importantly, he is the DP Deep for Deep Throat. Yeah, yep. okay. Yep. Meatball, which starred Harry Reams. Um, the Devil and Miss Jones, another Harry Reams with uh, Georgina Spelvin, I think. Same time every year through The Looking Glass. And he actually continued to keep doing that through the 90s. Directing so... porn while he was actually doing these films for Chuck Norris. And he's mainly done Chuck Norris films missing an action in Invasion USA Delta Force 2, Hellbound, Top Dog, Forest Warrior. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so he's doing porno while he's helping Mr. Conservative, sort of religious guy,
1: action star wow. basically make all of his films.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that is what you bring to the table, Jose. That kind of research is Oh, you're
1: on the Mount Rushmore of research. Let's just say no. that. I, hey, I was shocked. I was like, I cannot wait to unload this research. Oh, my God. No pun intended. Yeah.
2: <laughs> see, I see what you did there. Um, yeah, we warned you, folks. This was going to be a terrible episode uh, when it came to maturity levels. So let's talk about the people in front of the camera. Uh, Chuck Norris, we've talked about what's surprising is he plays himself in this film. We'll talk about how well that goes. (laughs) Um, I'm going to start with Jonathan Brandis as Barry. So this is kind of a sad story, right? I think anybody who is into pop culture might recognize him from it, the TV miniseries in the nineties, uh, ladybugs in 92. Mm -hmm. I think another big TV series, uh, that, and, and this is where I know him from, was Sequest. And I think that ran for three years, 93 to 96.
1: With Roy Scheider. Yes. Sequest DSV, actually.
2: And that was, I English think, time. produced by Spielberg or something. Spielberg had yep. a connection to that. Yep. And, and this is where it gets a little sad. So apparently he he did suffer from depression. He mm-hmm. had filmed Heart's War in 2002, had a pretty big part. But when he found Which out... He, oh, he
0: was thinking was going to be his big return to yes, Hollywood. Yes, that was as- going to bring him back out of being a child actor into mm-hmm. being like a serious, take me serious actor.
2: Yeah. And all of his footage, if not most of it um, ended up on the cutting room floor. And as a result of that, he took his own life. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's super sad. I mean, depression's a real thing. Uh, and doesn't matter where you're, where you're working, what, what industry, et cetera. I mean, here's a story where this, this kid, this guy had a lot of potential. I actually think, he's pretty good um and i would have loved to see seen, i don't know just heart's war with him in it more but yeah that's that's how it uh, that's how it ended for him
1: you know they um i think we people offhandedly will joke when they see young children who are really really good at acting they'll offhandedly joke like oh hope you don't become the next you know xxx right because it's always a cautionary tale like it is. For every Lindsay Lohan who maybe makes a comeback and still stays in the public eye, there are people like, unfortunately, like Jonathan, or people who, um, you know, they just can't make that connection, or like the the woman and Todd Bridges from a Different Strokes. You know, they just they fell into addictions and alcoholism because it seemed like their self worth was tied into working and being part of the public eye and when you grow up they don't want to see you as the kid anymore and it is a struggle um to get back into it not a lot of people you know come out of it in a good way and it's it's sad.
0: almost impossible to break into hollywood period and it's almost as possible to reinvent yourself as not a child actor yeah so you're at yeah. an uphill struggle but i i i can see how it would happen because you're you're doing this, you're behind the, you're in front of the camera, you're, you're doing this stuff as a kid, you're acting, you're making money and you grow up and you're like, I want people to take me serious. And, and it's a struggle to stay relevant. People are always coming to Hollywood to make it. And you're yesterday's news and hearing that you're no longer relevant. I'm sure that's on top of being already being depressed. I'm sure that's, you know, sadly was too much. And, you know, you, you wonder about, If Jonathan Branis was an actor today, would people catch on to that more so? And would he have gotten the help he needed? We take mental health much more serious now than we did um, even 20 years ago. Well,
2: I would say, or would it have been worse with social media? I mean, you never know. I mean, we we may take it, we, we may recognize it and take it more seriously. But I think the reason why we do so is there's more things to attribute to it. Um, you know, social media is great for bringing people together, but I also think it has that damaging effect on the opposite end um, for the wrong people. Yep. So, yep. Uh, a couple other names I'm going to mention. I'm going to kind of run through this fast since we're talking two films tonight. Um, Bow Bridges is in this film, part of the Bridges family. And I don't know about you guys, I always, I like Beau Bridges, but I will always recommend if you wanna see a great Beau Bridges film, the fabulous Baker boys from 1989 with him and his brother. So good, so good. Amazing film. Yeah. Uh, The next one I just wanna mention uh, is uh, Mako uh, as Mr. Lee. I think, so this actor, I had always, my, my discovery of him, was in Conan the Barbarian in 1982, right?
0: Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. so uh,
2: he's born in Japan. Keep that in mind when we talk about this film, because apparently Texans can't tell the difference between Chinese and Japanese people, mm-hmm. but that's we're going to talk about that in a minute.
0: <laughs> They're all the same. Um,
2: but my, what I think is funny is my recognition of this actor visually is Conan the Barbarian 1982. So anytime I see him in any film, I get excited, right? my daughter uh, was watching sidekicks with me. And as soon as he talked her recognition of him was um, from the avatar TV series, the, the cartoon, because ah. he does the voice of uncle Iroh yes. um, and he wasn't able to carry that through because he did pass uh, during, I, I guess while that series was still on. Um, and if you want to talk about one of the greatest characters in any medium, Uncle Iroh is that I mean Avatar I think is a fantastic series. And my daughter introduced me to that. But um my favorite character of that series is Uncle Iroh. Uh, and and it just works because of his performance. I, I think he's he's one of the best character actors ever.
1: I mean, one of the more notable Asian character actors. I mean name a name, a popular television show from the seventies. And he was on it, he was in it yeah. like in some, you know, capacity, speaking of his voiceover work, he voiced a uh, splinter and TMNT. I thought that's where you were going to go oh. um, with, with the voice work, but you're right. He was uncle Iroh and um, you know, avatar.
2: Yeah. He's touched so many different generations uh, in yeah. terms of, of all the work he's done. Um, I'm going to save this one. We got Joe Piscopo as Kelly stone. who's mm. our villain just real quick. You'll, you'll know Joe from Saturday Night Live, a couple, couple years with Eddie Murphy, right? Johnny Dangerously in 84. <laughs> uh, Dead Heat in 88, which we've talked about Dead Heat uh, from just in passing. I think we're going to review that one at some point. We have to. Yeah. In 1992, while he was working on Sidekicks, he was also doing voice work for a television show called Goof Troop for Disney. <laughs> so... We've got uh, Danica McKellar plays Lauren. People will automatically recognize her as Winnie from the uh, Wonder Years, which ran from 88 to 93. We also get another pretty famous person here, Richard Mole as Mr. Horn. He's the gym teacher. (laughs) I know him from The Sword and the Sorcerer in 82 um, and House in 85. Uh, I think a lot of people will know him from Night Court from 84 to 92 as the character Bull.
1: Bull Shannon. Love him. (laughs) <laughs> we
2: get, uh, Julian Nixon as Noreen Chan. If you look at her filmography, tons of television. I don't know yep. who this person is, but, um, every time I see her face, I'm like, I think I know her, but she's, she's just in tons of, tons of television. And I mean, a ton of television.
1: And then the wait, last, oh, wait, wasn't she Troy? Isn't she, isn't she the Rambo first blood part two woman? Yeah. Ramble. Yes. yeah she yep. Died, like dies or whatever. And then like double dragon, she was in, um, she is she actually not bad in double dragon. <laughs> uh, okay. Jose. Come um, but I, what, I just you didn't like double dragon. Are you serious about double
2: dragon? <laughs> Do you not listen to the show? Jose? Uh,
1: I know I'm kidding. I just know her from I,
2: t- like every time if you look at her filmography, I don't, yeah. I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I watch it, I kind of, and I just remember her face from more TV than anything. She's, yeah, she's got these parts in some iconic films, but not Double Dragon I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then lastly, the other face that popped up, which I know just him as a, a character actor, and I feel like he's always playing the same character, some biker gang sleaze guy, is Dennis Buckley. So he's the uh, Hank biker yeah. guy in this film, too. Yep. Um, we've already talked about the production and development, so I want to kick it over to you, Jose. This is a first time watch, right? Yep. Okay, so what do you think of psychics?
1: Okay. <clears throat> I was gearing up to watch um, basically The Karate Kid with Chuck Norris. And while it does eventually get to that, um, I was... <sighs> So I was a little struck by the one, the meta the sort of meta quality of the fact that like the kid's a daydreamer and he worships Chuck Morris, right? right? And so like, I was kind of like, oh, we're we're moving into that sort of territory like uh, Neil Patrick Harris in Harold and Kumar or, you know, uh, Miles Teller in that movie Project X where they're sort of playing themselves and they're bringing the cachet of like the pop culture with them. Um, So it it was a little surprise to me that, that it was very like secret life of Walter Mitty with like an asthmatic child versus the karate kid. And then you see this sort of, And as
0: was the worst thing you could ever have.
1: Yeah. It, well, yeah, if you, if you want to be an action star or, or work out with Chuck Norris, you know, being asthmatic, it ain't going to happen. I grew up as an asthmatic kid too. Um, I mean, my parents forbid me to do sports or what have you. Um, But I ended up working out and doing like aerobics and stuff like that, improving my asthma. But nonetheless, nonetheless, I think the movie gets bogged down a lot in these sort of like fantasy sequences that sort of mimic, um, the movies he's been in missing in action, et cetera. Um, and I also question, you know, a character this age, admiring Chuck Norris and the specific types of movies and fantasies that they put him in. Um, I just thought that that was a little incongruous and I'm like, is this supposed to be a family movie? And that yet the kids bouncing out of the water with like an AK machine gun or whatever, and you know, blowing people away. And then it turns into the standard, like, you know, karate kid teach me to fight back against my bullies. And then it becomes a competition film. So it just, while I thought that the beginning of it was a little sloggy, like I think there was too much of the fantasy stuff going on. Um, and then, and then you say there isn't character development for that particular character until well into half the movie, right? And then I do give it kudos for, you know, Danica McKellar is sort of like, hey, I like you. And he's like, I like you too. And she goes, but not like that. I do give them credit for not automatically making that a romance. And then she eventually falls in love with him. I thought that was kind it, of good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, time. I
2: know. Listen, that... Winnie's a bitch. Let's just no. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. She she puts that kid in a friend zone the minute he just opens up yep. to her
1: yep. because she was concerned it, about him, but she eventually falls she in love with him. him. I
2: thought that was sweet. If there was no event. She goes, oh, you know karate. The minute she sees his karate skills, all of a sudden she's interested in him and once the you know, floods coming when she
1: sees that. Uh, it is she. Karate. She's a gee sniffer. Their children don't mention the flood. Well, no. she. She. Know.
2: She is a gee sniffer. So police groupies okay. are called holster sniffers. Okay. Um, she's the equivalent for martial arts guys. She's so you know karate. She's going to be all over you, Um, but that relationship's not going to last. There's no so would eventually. Do you have any, any gee
1: sniffers, Troy?
2: Do I? Uh, I married her.
1: Okay. <laughs> Um, first of all, if you've ever sniffed a ghee, no, was, no, no, no. Yeah, you ever sniffed a holster? <laughs> I've smelled I'm not a gun. Actually, I'm fired. I've, but the yeah, minute anyway. I asked
2: you that question, Jose, I regretted
1: it. <laughs> yes, yes, you should regret it. No, what kind of holster are we talking about? Anyway, anyway, um, so
2: let's let's not, let's not give this woman any credit. She is a terrible person. Okay, so. but I
1: thought so. I. I thought that her eventually falling in love with him- Not eventually.
2: there's not an She goes, oh, you know karate? Great, I'm going to drop my panties. Dovetails
1: with the (laughs) themes of the movie, which I found inspiring, which are, you know, there's time and place for everything, Um, you know, the sort of the discipline and anything you put your mind to, you can do. And while it did not start out well, and there are definitely like one too many montages than there should be in this film, there's actually like three or four of them. Um, I did find it inspirational. I did like the way that it was filmed, um, just in terms of like, you know, the the sort of fantasy sequences and then the competition at the end. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of, I don't know, I ended up, liking the movie even though i didn't like how it started or how it was sort of like narratively brought out okay
2: yeah i I like that i like that take on it all right brad you picked this one you grew up on it what do you think of it
0: yeah so i was i was i knew nostalgia was going to mask this thing a little bit for me because i had seen it so much growing up on hbo you know how it was you're a kid noon comes on and you're like, Oh, what's showing on HBO. Oh, sidekicks again. Cool. I'll watch this for the next two hours. Cause it's better than nothing. Um, uh, I, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to like enjoy this movie because it's, it's a part of my childhood. Uh, Jose was kind of getting on the meta side of it that just like happens way too much in this movie. And it's totally so all over the place because you go to these flashbacks you're like, we're gunning down these people. We're blowing people up. We're doing this. We're doing that. And it's like, I don't care what movie guy says. Like it's really violence. They they say no one dies, but they're blowing people up. People are catching on fire. Um, There's all sorts of stuff going on. And, it really like every time you flash back, it's like going back to this really violent stuff. And then you come back and you're like, oh, here's Barry, you know, getting made fun of uh, for being asthmatic. And, uh, you know, they call him Barry Wary and they make fun of him in gym because we all made fun of people in gym, apparently. I don't know. I do people get made fun of in gym? Like, is that a thing? Yes, yeah. it okay. is indeed Sorry. a thing. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, okay. Uh, I had leg braces growing to my up. Head, say otherwise.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in leg braces, so I I got the crap beat out of me. So yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. I guess as the jock white guy, I guess I'm gonna have you were to play you that. were doing I, the beating. I know. Brad. I guess. I guess. <laughs> all right. Sorry. But anyway, uh, this this has got all the all the makings of like we saw Karate Kid once, and we can do it with Chuck Norris. Um, it never reaches the height of that movie, but Karate Kid did not have. Joey P Joe Piscopo (laughs) is on some sort of level in this movie that I don't know what is going on. I don't know if he's powered by cocaine or what it is, but it is a performance that you will not forget. It is not good, but it is (laughs) turned up to such a degree. The first scene when they go to his karate dojo and he just starts saying, I'm going to kick Chuck Norris's ass. Might be one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, and when he takes his shirt off at the end, you're like, This guy is cranked up. Like, what is going on? I, I mean, I guess it's roid rage plus cocaine. <laughs> uh, I mean, that guy's heart is like beating out of his chest. Yep. Um, it is something else. Um, it is a weird mismatch of this like weird meta stuff and Karate Kid and. It's just, I don't know. It works sometimes for me and other times when we flashback, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt the runtime when I was watching it this time. It was just, I, I don't know. I kind of just wish it was here. I got to meet my hero, Chuck Norris, and he doesn't like this uh, Kelly Stone guy. So he's going to team up with me and, and help me along the way. Like the like the third act reveal of Chuck Norris like coming to this guy's like side doesn't really play out for me that much, um, but hey, compared to the next movie we're going to talk about, this movie is is fantastic. So um,
1: yeah, <laughs> okay. well, I was just I was just going to also add on um, uh, that uh, I did like how they took the fantasy of what he's seeing and then eventually making it the reality. So for like the example, when he's doing the nunchuck Kata at the competition, he dreams himself doing it. And then it ends with him becoming his own dream person. Um, and even the ending. Oh, I I, don't, I thought
2: he cheated. I thought you, he just had some guy come in in a suit at the end. And yeah, you, they did. <laughs> they did.
1: Okay. Yeah, they he did. just walked in as a substitute. But, um, and then was Chuck then, Norris there at all? Well, that was the ending that I was kind of like, wait, did he just dream all the, no, I don't know. I don't Well, Because so. who beat up Joe Piscopo? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, and Piscopo, when he was on SNL, he was so skinny. And I think at the time he was like hawking like gym memberships or something for like maybe Gold's Gym or, or what have you. But he got so huge. You're right. He got jacked. I, isn't he, he's dead. unrecognizable.
2: He, he looks, he's going for that like Schwarzenegger look with a mullet. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, the mullets in this movie. Holy oh,
2: shit. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a, I mean, the ending has a battle of the mullets. It's pretty, it's pretty glorious.
0: And then you get third act wheelchair kid with mullet. Holy shit.
2: Yeah. It's crazy how this movie kind of comes to like an inception twist at the end with a promise of wheelchair karate. So I yes. I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel.
1: Ooh, Psychics too.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: Electric Boogaloo.
2: I don't know.
1: That the whole the the inclusion of the the wheelchair be hey, no, called handy
0: capable Troy.
1: I <laughs> it confused me to see that kid at the end. But then knowing knowing the writer and his work with kids with disabilities, it makes sense. But if you didn't know that, I, I was kind of like, wait, he's gonna stand up out of his wheelchair and start kicking people? Oh, that would have been awesome. Well,
2: <laughs> no, I I think think about like movies like The Crippled Masters, right? So yeah. I, I would, I would love for somebody to take that premise and do something with it. You know, say you can call it crippled masters by the way. Well, I know and it's, <laughs> you can't do it today, but listen, it, it, if you give this movie credit for anything, I do love the fact that it does have a pretty good message to it. Uh, and, and I'll say this, I mean, when, when Mako comes in, I, I think it actually becomes a halfway decent film because that mentorship between those two is probably the best thing about the film. And how he is mentoring Barry and how Barry is dealing with all this stuff. Uh, but I like, I really like these films that to kind of take a chance with it and say, here's somebody that doesn't fit the bill of what you would consider a traditional martial artist." Like, I, I would really like to see, I think that would be an interesting movie. Like, if this went to a place and said, yeah, wheelchair kid got inspired by the same thing. And, and what can he do? Because that's the that kind of embodies the whole messaging of martial arts. Right. Yeah. That out of the way, okay. So, uh, the the movie has an interesting premise. I'll give it this: it's a narcoleptic kid who learns karate from an old Japanese guy who everybody thinks is Chinese, and then ends up. Uh, Wait, he's narcoleptic. He just they.
1: He's narcoleptic. He
2: daydreams. He's narcoleptic.
1: But it's either narcoleptic. Nar- <laughs> he's either narcoleptic or he's a daydreamer. asmetic One in this narcoleptic kid who's falling
2: asleep, <laughs> dreaming all the time. Uh, teams up with Chuck Norris to to win a karate championship of Texas. That's a cool premise, right? Um, there's only one reason to watch this film, and it and you said it, Brad. It's Joe Piscopo. Holy shit! Uh, his performance um, it is the quintessential example of overacting. It's so gloriously bad. Um, it it makes John Leguizamo like. If John Leguizamo <laughs> has the overacting uh, award on the negative side, Joe Piscopo for, I don't know how he does it, ends up to take the John Leguizamo uh, energy and turn it into something that is equally terrible on the overacting scale, but somehow more fun to watch than the pest. Uh, the, Just the way, so when you had talked about that sequence when he's talking about kicking Chuck Norris's butt, the way he even says Chuck Norris's name is so awesome. <laughs> he, it, there's so much hate, <laughs> and man, he sells it. Um, and that permed mullet, like every every villain should have that going forward. I'm convinced now. And he's, I, I've just never seen a guy who's constantly flexing every time he's giving dialogue. And he also does the most racist impersonation of a Vietnamese person ever in film history. You've got to see that. Uh, and and more than anything, you you touched on this too. He gets so upset in his match with Chuck Norris, he turns into Bolo Young from Bloodsport,
1: <laughs> complete <laughs> outfit
2: and everything, and and his pecs are like doing his thing. Uh, but holy cow! I mean, I don't. I think this is it. It's weird. It. It's not a bad film. It mm. it's, I don't, let me put it to you this way. I don't think half of it is bad. So I think half of it is competently made. I think there's another half that's pretty terrible and, and it's usually the flashback stuff uh, or sorry, the narcoleptic scenes where he's daydreaming <laughs> that, that stuff's kind of bad, but man, this film is kind of fun to watch with a group of people and it, especially the Joe Piscopo scenes. Um, it is, it is kind of uh, just fun to watch with somebody and go, are you seeing what I'm seeing on screen here with Joe Piscopo? <laughs> Cause uh, and, and I'll, I'll say this, if, if Mako Joe Piscopo are not in the film, the film really drags for me. But anytime those two actors are in there, I'm kind of interested.
1: So my feeling, I mean, my feeling is that so this is an hour and forty four minutes. They could have tightened this up. They could have shortened the fantasy stuff. This needs to be ninety minutes long. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you even. I know. You, I know you're gonna hate this. I don't think they even needed Joe Piscopo. Like he's first of all, he's acting like he's in a completely different film. Um, his character is as incongruous as the fantasy sequences are. I think you could cut him out entirely, and the movie would still actually be okay. Um, but anyway, I, it just it needed it needed more tightening up because it just dragged in that first half. Uh, I
2: I think tightening up, but I don't know you. How do I say this? You either needed the insanity of Joe Piscopo to make this more interesting from everybody, or you needed the acting quality of Mako to make it a better film. I, I To me, this is a film that has two performances that are on the opera, opposite end of, of quality, but both are equally interesting to watch. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Yeah, but I also think it's interesting that none of us really brought up Chuck Norris in this When we were talking about our feelings, I think he's kind of irrelevant.
2: Yeah. What do you say about him? Yeah. I mean, he's um, he's Chuck Norris playing himself, which I mean, I I don't know about you guys. I don't know the difference of him playing himself versus any film I've ever seen him in. Chuck Norris is just Chuck Norris. He's
0: boring. Yeah. And he's he's just a plot point. and, and, And in this movie, he's not doing any of his own stunts. He's nope. not fighting at all in this movie. He is doubled the entire time. You yeah. never see his face and kick at the same time.
1: Nope. Yeah and the other sure. thing I want to say is kudos to Alana Bobek, his longtime makeup and hair person, because his hair pieces are fierce in this. Yeah.
2: He's uh he I, I like that term, irrelevant. Like having Chuck Norris in this film doesn't really make or break it. You could have had any, you could add a made up action star and it would have had the same effect. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But and you could have had a better actor in the movie and it would have been a better movie. Well, but I, <laughs>
2: even if you had a better actor in the film, I, again, I, I think it would have to fall in into one of two categories. This, everybody else in this film is just, I don't know, Richard mall tries to do the Joe Piscopo thing.
0: Yeah. But joy. And I'm not getting, and I'm not going to say this just so you'd be like, Oh Yes. I agree with you. Imagine if Jackie Chan was this kid's, like he wanted to be sidekicks with Jackie Chan. How much better of the movie would this be?
2: Uh, Jackie Chan kind of tried to make that film already. So he's he's already done this version of it. Um, well,
1: what was the uh, Chronic
2: No, 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 no. I can't remember the actual title of it, but it was something like, uh, Kung Fu. I, th- there is a Jackie Chan movie out there where he's barely in it.
0: well, And no. it follows
2: the same thing where a kid, he plays himself and a kid is always daydreaming about Jackie.
0: Chan. Imagine like he's imagining that he's at the very end of the police story in that mall fighting with Jackie Chan or going down the hill in the bungalow scene, you know, all that's like, I-, I don't know, man. Like
1: I think to Brad's I think, point, if I think there was Chuck a, a charismatic.
0: Worst, yeah. Chuck Norris is the worst part of this movie.
1: Yeah, if there was a charismatic, like not like, not even likable, but if there was somebody, an action star that the audience could relate to in this, it might have been a better movie. Yeah, Chuck, but Chuck Norris isn't doing it. He's yeah, just it's there.
0: Sylvester Stallone, like if it's anyone, if it's yeah. anyone, it's a better movie. Chuck Norris when he comes on screen in the third act and he's walking through the crowd, you're like, ehm, that guy sucks.
2: Uh, Jackie Chan, Kung Fu master was what it was known over here from 2009, but it, but the uh, same thing, here's the premise. Jackie Chan is the undefeated Kung Fu master who dishes out the action. When a young boy sets out to learn how to fight from the master himself, he not only witnesses some spectacular fights, but learns some important life lessons along the way. So Jackie, yeah, or but that's has,
0: Jackie Chan, like in the two thousands, like this, if if it's 1992, Jackie Chan, it's, it's better.
2: Well, let me ask you this. I mean, does it, does it matter? It, it, Does it matter in this film who the the kid or the protagonist is following or daydreaming
0: about? I think so, because at the reveal, when you finally get to meet this kid's hero, who is like he's obsessed with, it's like seeing paint dry. You're like, oh, God, this guy, this guy, he's been your motivating force in your whole life. And you finally meet him and he's a piece of wood with a mullet on top.
2: And that was Jackie Chan's version too. It just, it Mm. wasn't, (laughs) I, to me, I would think that this film might've actually been a little bit better if the action star that they're daydreaming about, whatever had been made up. Like, why does it have to be a real life person? If, if the whole concept of this is some kid idolizes some action star wants to be like him, then goes to learn all of these things. And then he ends up meeting his action star or whatnot. And they go off and have an adventure together in real life win a karate tournament. Well, that, that actually, I think gives you a little bit more license to have fun with those sequences. <laughs> Maybe you can parody, um, classic action scenes, et cetera, not just stick to Chuck Norris films.
1: Um, well, then, then your brother doesn't get to verbally fillet you in a movie. So, yeah, true. Like. <laughs> um, um, I think we're all kind of dancing around the same thing, which is, you know, there's no difference between fantasy Chuck Norris and then Chuck Norris when he shows up at the tournament. I think there would have been some sort of edge to the screenplay if he was a disappointment to the kid or if he ended up being better than what was in his fantasy. I, I don't know if they had done something like that rather than this sort of like milk toast version of, of Norris it, it it could have been better, yeah. It, also, I don't the think... frying dragon. I did oh. not like the frying dragon. Oh, actually, well. I actually like that.
2: I, I kind of want to <laughs> name my kung fu um, dojo <laughs> the frying dragon.
1: No, I,
0: I think that I think that's that Brandis is actually pretty good in this movie. I I didn't think he was bad. Um, again, I I feel like they they acted like being asthmatic is like the worst thing you could be. I mean, there's degrees of asthmatic, obviously, but like. He's inhaling That's a bicycle pump.
1: Is that really is. what those Oh my is? God, that thing. This, yeah. uh, I think it was a PVC he, pipe. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't think it's even real, right? It's, I don't that, know. That can't be real. It,
2: I, I. I. It would be real if you're pumping up your bicycle tire, but not. Um, I. Jonathan's okay. The problem is everybody else is either middling to okay, right? It. There's, there's nothing really that great. Except out of two performances. And again, yeah,
0: and Bo Bridges is kind of boring. His little love interest with what's her name is
2: Julia Nixon's is, boring. Yeah. I um, thought it was, Danica McKellar's not. Sweet. And yeah,
0: they're two nerds that kind of, you know, <laughs> they're boring. They would check each they, other's math before they had sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I. You forgot I, to carry the one. Now <laughs> do me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, no, I. It's not. It, this is, this is just a weird film. I I'm so, this is, I think both of the films we're talking about tonight, like I'm kind of just shocked how they made it into the movie theaters, even in the nineties. Although this yeah. is the, this stuff is being made today. It's just kind of going over to streaming platforms, right? This is the stuff you right. find on streaming platforms. Right. Yeah. I right, What else? I, I don't,
0: I don't it's know. To, I say. mean, yeah. you have, I, I think you kind of, honestly, I think you have to see this movie for Joe Piscopo's You have.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, it's a terrible film. <laughs> well, half of it is a terrible film. Fifty yeah. percent. It's not of, good. It's, it's not, not good. good. Yeah, 50% of this is like, what's going on? And the other 50%, I, I kind of like how you say it, Jose, is at some point when it really starts to take hold of this Karate Kid clone type story, those are the elements that are really good in it. And in that they work, uh, I also like kind of the idea that the final showdown isn't a fight, but it comes into something that isn't, um, traditionally done in this type of film. Right. So
0: I don't, I think that was by, Hey, we can't be the karate kid the whole way. So let's make it a little different. Yeah. And I
2: I like that aspect of it, but man, you got to see it for Joe Piscopo. You just have to. Um, any other final thoughts on this one before we move to down the filmography and go to the next one? Nope. All Are right. we voting now? You want to? We can save it or do it now. Yeah,
1: we sure. Do we'll it do it now.
2: Okay. Well, Jose, uh, we, we just got done talking about this Karate Kid clone sidekicks from nineteen ninety two slash nineteen ninety three. Sorry, Brad. Hey, thank you. Uh, is it a bomb?
1: So I was on the fence. Uh, about this, uh, but hearing you, hearing you guys talk, I think unfortunately it is a bomb. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, really.
2: We yeah. found a movie was, you don't. I was like.
1: leaning towards a marginal, <laughs> marginal, not a bomb. But hearing you guys discuss it, and then me sort of being angry over the fact that like Joe Piscopo is just acting in a completely different movie makes it a bomb for me.
2: So okay, all right. Brad, your pick. How are you voting on this one? Even though I agree, it, like, it's a
0: bomb, much. but you have to watch it. <laughs> you have to see Joe Piscopo. You have to. The movie's not good, but Joe Piscopo, whatever he is doing and whatever he is on, that mixture of cocaine and steroids is putting him somewhere that I want to be.
2: Yeah, it's it's a bomb, but I will say the Joe Piscopo and the Mako um, performances are what you need to see in this thing. Everybody else is. Eh, it's. I was surprised that I, Tabitha and Angel watched it, and it kept them entertained. We we actually had a lot of fun watching this together. Now, granted, we were making fun of some parts. Uh, and man, that that missing an action sequence when Joe Piscopo's oh. doing his Vietnamese thing. Oh, my holy God. cow! You want to talk about a hate crime? That yes, but it's. Oh, you gotta see it, man. you gotta see it. It's a bomb, but you have to you have to watch this. We might have to have a new category. Yes, this is a bomb, but yes you have to watch this as well. This would fit in any category. Uh, well, let's go back to 1995, Brad. Uh-huh. So we're going to talk about Top dog now just a little context. This is a subgenre of action films where Hollywood pairs up an actor and an animal. And more specifically, there is a subgenre of that where it's a it's a cop paired up with you know somebody from the canine unit or whatever. Um, so in nineteen so this is a big deal in the eighties, right? Nineteen eighty nine you had two films come out, canine with Jim Belushi and Turner and Hooch with Tom Hanks. And Oh, hey,
0: show me where the rules say you can't have a dog as a partner. Sorry, that was bad, sorry. That that was bad, okay.
2: And Canine has like three or four sequels to it as Mm -hmm. well, and I think uh, James Belushi's in a few of those. So six years later, Chuck is like, hey, there's this hot new thing going on where you pair up with a dog.
0: Chuck is like Canada. Like, it just gets there like 10 years later. It gets there about 10 years (laughs) later.
2: And, And we get to 1995's Top Dog, which is Chuck Norris paired... Uh, with with a dog to to solve a murder, right? Of the dog's yeah, original partner, Reno. Yes, uh, and you know, let let's be honest here. It it's um, given the uh, attacks at the White House on January sixth. This this film has a little bit more um, weight to it than maybe it did in nineteen ninety. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Who won? Brad, Brad, let's. Uh, Let's go back to 1995. Give us give us some details about Top Dog.
0: Yeah. So released uh, April 28th 1995. Troy, do you remember what happened April 19th 1995?
2: Uh, I believe there was a pretty big news event that happened uh, in Oklahoma City. Correct.
0: That is correct. Oh yeah. That was Mr. Timothy McVeigh in the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, for those who don't know, was was he a white nationalist?
1: I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think was. he was anti-government.
0: Yes. Yeah. He was a. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Um. So Top Dog comes out nine days after that. Uh, oh. The plot uh, might not be too great for this time frame, uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. Budget of six million dollars. Where did they spend six million dollars on this movie? Because it looks like it was made in nineteen seventy-two. Like it. <laughs> oh. oh. The Subruder film looks better than this. Um wow. Uh the box office total <laughs> 5.1 million dollars. <sighs>
2: Look how this thing made 5 How this thing made more than 100 dollars is amazing to me. 5 yep. million. Okay.
0: So opening weekend uh it makes 2.1 million dollars which is good enough for 8th place um behind films like While You Were Sleeping, Friday, Bad Boys Rob Roy, uh, Village of the Dam, A Goofy Movie, and Kiss of Death.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, Kiss of Death? Oh. Yes. yes,
1: Cage. Nick Cage, Nick David Cage. Caruso. Yeah. yeah, great movie. Uh,
0: here we go, guys. Rotten Tomatoes. Top Dog sits at a 0% with the critics. What? what? Oh. A wow. 0%. No. 0 oh. for, oh for 8. 0 huh. oh for 8. Uh, and a 32% with the
1: audience with... Five thousand plus reviews. Again, two percent was that? Yes. Was that Showgirls too? Was Showgirls twenty three percent? I don't know. So more yeah.
2: people, people like show this girls than person. Showgirls too.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> Good to know.
0: Finis from heaven. Um, so, Movie Guide also reviewed this oh. movie because apparently oh. they just removed review all Aaron Norris
1: films. Um can, this we guess, one, however, can we guess can we guess the Okay, yes
2: please. Go ahead Jose. Where do you think this is going to be on the scale from -4 four to 4? Four?
1: Oh shoot. Um uh, uh uh wait, can they give can you get a 0? You cannot. I well, I don't know. I think it's I think 0 is not uh given. -1. Okay. I'm going
0: 1. Okay. Jose is correct. -1. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Here we go. Heroic worldview in which bad guys win, but good is relative. I don't know what What, that means. The bad guys win? (laughs) Huh? Well, good. I'm sorry. Good guys win, but good is relative. Good, I guess because like he's like a rogue cop, I guess. And and an
1: alcoholic.
0: Yeah. 11 mild obscenities, one profanity, action violence, numerous explosions, gunfights, fistfights, at least 20 deaths, and a dog shot, but not killed. Spoiler alert. Drunkenness, drug dealers are arrested, respect for parent betrayed, and lead character behaves rudely and exhibits disres- uh, disrespect for authority. That's
2: the dog, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> and police officers break the law, illegal search and seizures, breaking and entering and failure to read suspects, the rights during arrests and dog burps. Dog burps. <laughs> Is that why yeah. it's got
2: its negative one? Because the dog yeah. was a little bit The dog crass. burping
0: at the you know, okay. yep. so, All right. um and I'm gonna need a lot of breakdown on some of the uh legal tactics taken by the cops in this movie because I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lawyer, and I think that they might uh be uh not falling. a Yeah. yeah many laws law. were
1: broken. Yep, okay. Many, many, many uh rights were yeah, violated. Okay. I, I feel like uh, a lot of
2: people that got arrested in this film walked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if they yes, had a good attorney. If they
0: had a good lawyer. If they had Jose as a lawyer, they would have walked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. April of 1995, you could have seen films like Three Ninjas Knuckle Up, uh, Don Juan DeMarco, Don't Bad Boys, A Goofy Movie, Rob Roy, Jury Duty. Um, Jury The Basketball Diaries, Kiss of Death, DiCaprio. Oh God! While you were sleeping, while you were sleeping, made one hundred and eighty-two million dollars. It was a
2: big deal when it came out. Yep,
0: I loved Uh, it. Friday and Village of the Damned already talked about. So yes, yeah. You had a lot of choices during April nineteen ninety five. I hope you did not choose Top Dog it's crazy
2: to hear you read that list of choices and then think about what we have to choose from today. It's like, I mean, if you, the streaming services and that whole war have just changed the landscape of it. But, uh, that, that's probably for a whole nother podcast discussion. Uh, Jose, Let's okay. start with you. Yep,
1: um, really quickly go behind for it. behind the line or under the below the line behind the camera. Yep, it's same director. Below the waves. What? Okay, anyway, same director Aaron Norris. Same DP uh, Yoal Fernandez. Our writers are actually our director Aaron Norris, and Tim Graham is credited with the storyline. Curiously enough, Mister Graham has only be, has only written this movie and Hellbound which is the Chuck connection. Another Chuck Norris film, yeah. And then Russ Swanson is also credited with the screenplay. He wrote one episode of Walker, this movie, and Forest Warrior. Um, The Chuck connection is that Swanson wrote Hellbound and then Overkill, which was an action movie that Aaron Norris starred in. Uh, The music is by George S. Clinton He's probably he's probably most known for his Mortal Kombat soundtrack, Mortal Kombat Kombat. (laughs) and the Austin Powers soundtracks. In fact, here's a quote from IMDb. He developed his craft scoring ninja movies for canon films, network and cable television movies and miniseries, writing for a wide range of genres and musical musical styles. The soulful, erotic jazz for Salmon King's Showtime anthology, Red Shoe, Di- Red Shoe Diaries, developed quite a following and brought yeah. more public awareness. Hell yeah. <laughs> wow. Red
0: Shoe Diaries.
1: Yep.
2: Sexual yep. awakening. Sorry. Yeah. A- any <laughs> other credits you want to
1: talk about, Jose? Uh, I mean, I was going to bring up the production desire, Norm Barron, but why? It's.
2: <laughs> See, I thought I thought you were going to talk about Lisa Clarkson.
1: No, so, I did not.
2: Mr. Norris's dialogue coach for this film is Lisa Clarkson. Uh, My question is, why does Chuck Norris need a dialogue coach for a movie called Top Dog?
1: So you know what's interesting? He actually it was taught his his uh dialect coach was the guy who, um from Lost in Space. I forget who he was um, but he played the evil doctor in Lost in Space. But anyway, the this acting coach taught Charles uh, Carlos, Uh, Carlos Norris, how to speak by sticking his fingers in his mouth and stretching his mouth and making him like um, recite lines, which, by the way, I mean, vocal coaches will do this. Like my my vocal coach has said to me, you don't need to open your mouth to sing. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, here, put a pencil in my mouth and made me sing. So it was apparently it was a vocal technique that this actor did. And he's literally the only person apparently who was able to stick his fingers in Chuck's mouth and spread it wide open and live. <laughs> and live and yeah, exactly.
2: And not get a roundhouse kick. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> real quick on the cast, we have Chuck Norris. This time he's not playing himself. He plays a character called Jake Wilder.
0: Yeah, Jake, Lieutenant Jake Wilder, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Due process. Fuck your due process.
2: That's right. That's Jake. Uh, in, in context for his filmography at this point. So he does sidekicks. He goes to do another film called Hellbound in 94. He does Top Dog in 95. And he follows this up with Forest Warrior in 96. All the time he's doing Walker, Texas Ranger at this time period. We've got Michelle Lamar Richards as Savannah Boyette. Uh, the female cop um, love interest, maybe. I don't know. Not really. Yeah. Kind of there not very
0: fleshed out. So not, yeah, going. yeah.
2: Uh, you might know her from the bodyguard. Um, she's got a lot of TV credits as well. Yeah. Uh, Eric Von detten as Matthew Swanson, uh, Carmine Caridi as Lou Swanson. I think you, so it's, he's a character actor. You'll recognize his face like Godfather part two, 74. Yep. I mean, he's, he's been acting for a while. Money pit in 86 bugsy in 91. um, you get uh, Kai Wolf as Otto Dietrich. His his filmography is super interesting because if you look at it, most of it is video game dialogue for Call of Duty and Medal of Honor. Um, yeah. But this same year in Top Dog, he was doing Assassins in 1995.
0: This one... I did recognize him. He, I believe he's in an episode of uh, X-Files.
2: Okay, cool. Playing, yeah. guess
0: what? A
2: Nazi. A Nazi. Oh, a Nazi. a Nazi. Nazi. Got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Another character actor. Now, this one, as soon as you see his face, he plays the captain. He's been in like three. He has 310 credits on IMDb. Um, It's Clyde Kusatsu. He plays uh, Ken. Now, I know him specifically from one film, which I think will be the death of me. Uh, It is Hot Shots Part Two from 1993. He plays Prime Minister Soto. And the whole sequence with Lloyd Bridges and the false. Oh, I just God. freaking love this. <laughs> yeah. The he movie. was also in Spy Hard. He was noggin in Spy Hard. Oh, God. Clyde. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sequence in hot Hotshots. And last but not least, the star of the film, you'd think it's Chuck Norris. It's not. Oh, no. It is Betty, who is playing the role of Reno. Yeah. So we have, I think it's a female dog playing a male dog, uh, hmm. or you're supposed Ooh. to get the impression. Impression that it's a, actually do they really get into like an identification of gender they, within this film?
0: I don't know. The dog doesn't say. come out and, and say it's its pronouns, so it's right. hard to hard okay. to know. That's true. That's true. But Reno, uh, well, I mean, Reno, Reno was, sounds like a guy name. But maybe he's just named after the or she is named after the city. You know, it came from the little. You know,
2: but wasn't this like a Seattle film or something?
0: I don't know, man. Like I thought it took place in Texas. Yeah,
2: this one was in Texas.
0: He,
1: San Diego,
2: you, San Diego. There oh, you go. Shoot. I yes. knew it was like, a San Diego. West Coast I'm sorry.
1: Thing. I think I'm. Yeah. Not a te- this this is not things. a Texas. <laughs> I hey, guess sorry. what? Guess what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No. Okay, okay. But you know, missing, you, you forgot to mention Timothy bottoms from the cast who I love. I love Timothy bottoms, but it's so weird to see him in this the bottom. Brothers. <laughs> the bottom brothers. Right. <laughs> But Timothy Bottoms, I mean, he he went from being discovered by Peter Bogdanovich in the Last Picture Show to this. Yeah, um, he was also the father in uh, Invaders from Mars. He has a ton of credits too. Very good actor. I don't know why he's in this. One and of my I'd...
0: favorite. One of my favorite anti-war films of all time. Johnny got his gun. He was in that.
1: Yeah. Um, if you haven't yeah. seen Johnny got his gun, it's amazing. It is. It is good. Uh, and one last person, Fran- mm-hmm. Francesco Quinn. He was like the SWAT leader. But I thought it was curious that if you notice he had a scar, almost as if the filmmakers were saying people with scars aren't all evil like Otto. Here's a good guy who's leading the SWAT team and he's got a scar too. The first
2: time I saw him, I was like, is that Adrian Paul from Highlander making a cameo or something? He looks just like Adrian Paul.
1: He does kind of look like him. He is a soap actor, TV actor. Love him.
2: Big surprise. Soap acting. Yeah, Yeah. that was was about the level he delivered. (laughs) All right, Brad. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna start with you. Was this a first time watch for everybody on this one? Yes. yes. Okay. Great. Uh, we none of us saw this in the theater. All right, Brad. Uh, none of us saw this coming. Yeah, we didn't. Right. So let's let's talk about Top Dog. Uh, what, what, how, how did that viewing go for you?
0: Wow, this thing is an absolute hate crime. Um, <laughs> so you at the very beginning, you're getting these white nationalist Nazis. And you get a, a lot of statements about how the Jews run the world and mm-hmm. the money and mm-hmm. the banking. Yeah. And there's just a lot of Nazi imagery. Do you and, think they
2: watched this before they went and stormed the Capitol? On, yeah. This was like, X. this okay. is their
0: pump up video before they went to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. American history X and top dog was their double bill that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Boy, this movie sucks. It <laughs> uh Chuck Norris is not good in it. Once again, so now we get Chuck Norris as like kind of like your drunk sort of I'm on suspension, but I'm coming out of suspension cop uh stereotype. So he's even less interested in the movie. Um, which I don't blame him. You're in a movie called Top Dog, your your co-star <laughs> is a goddamn dog. Um but this it, there's just so much about this movie. I I was like, they're doing this, they're doing this, and they're doing this. Oh, okay. Now the Pope is in this movie. I mean, apparently it's just okay to be within five feet of the Pope, and there's no security around the Pope, no police officers anywhere. I don't know. I don't know. Um yeah, man. I I watched this movie and uh it kind of ruined my night. Uh just how it, it looks like this movie was made 25 years ago. Well, at the time, it was made in 1995. It looked like it was made in 1970. It looks so bad. It does not it look.
2: To- 1970s would give it, I don't know, some <laughs> grit or color to it. Yeah. This looks like it was made in the 90s. Let's be honest.
0: Well, yeah, but it lo- I mean, $6 million in 1995 isn't zero money. It's not a lot, but it's still some money.
1: Okay, and- repeat. Yeah. Yoel Fernandez shot Porn. Consider the source. This looks like a cheapo porno without the sex.
0: Psychics Sidekick, didn't look bad. Psychics didn't look bad. Directed it also had by more your... money.
2: I think it had a bigger budget. The Mattress King was not going to skimp no, on Psychics. It, okay? it was
0: only 8 to $10 million.
2: Yeah. This one's only this, a couple million less. Yeah.
0: It, yeah. There's okay. no excuse that it doesn't look like an actual real movie. Like, I'm not convinced that this is not a real movie. Like, Funky Monkey. Oh, well, okay. I don't want to go notorious
1: too funky monkey
0: <laughs> is funky monkey more entertaining than this movie.
2: No, no, I don't. I just answer that for you.
0: I don't know. At least it, funky monkey, at least had the, the monkey, the guy, the monkey suit at the very beginning doing karate.
2: Yeah, but um, so, but the, okay. But we watched funky monkey all together in the same room. Yeah. So, so I guess the it's experience, not fair. but yeah. yeah, no, you can't. That's different. It
0: this movie is, is is not good. And there's nothing in it that I would say, oh, it's not good, but you need to see it for this. Um, why is the kid in this movie? Why is the kid in this movie?
2: How does the kid know where Chuck Norris lives? It yeah, shows up at like midnight.
0: <laughs> He's riding his bike to like the... The, the crime like, scene. Uni- the racial unity coalition thing. And, like, how does he know to go there? How? How how does he know that? And why He's are we... listening
1: to the police scanner.
0: Why are we... Is, was he really? He was. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Sorry, I must have missed that. Because, like, like all kids in the nineties, they listen to police scanners when Did, they're yeah, hanging out. I know, I know. Did you guys have a police uh, scanner? When you were, was, I didn't. I don't. No. No. Okay. No. I just
0: may. I, I don't know. I, I was too busy playing Nintendo like a real kid. Uh, <laughs> and anyway. if you
2: had a police but, scanner as a kid, would you go out and solve crimes? I no, would, but
0: I wouldn't. I'm not a vigilante. Okay, fine. Anyway, good. This is not a good movie. Uh, not a good movie at all. Um, I don't know if I like the guy gets teamed up with a dog movie. Um, you don't like
2: guys teamed up with animals at all. I figured this out. Yeah. You've got a predisposition to those type of films.
0: I don't. Um, like if we're doing a
2: month of films where it's like, pick, I have to pick two films out that I know you're going to hate. I'm going for Dario Argento guys that are teamed up with an animal, um, and a musical. And if I, man, if I could find something where Argento, like direct, wait, uh, what's the, the bug movie Jennifer Conley did? Um, uh, Phenomena. Yeah. I, you, I don't know if you've seen that, Brad. You'll probably hate that because it's Jennifer mm. Conley teamed up with bugs. So, eh,
0: okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So yes, those are my thoughts. They're not much because this movie isn't much at all. Like, it, it's it's terrible, terrible.
2: Okay. All right. What, what about you, Jose? How, what was your experience on this one?
1: All right. So, <clears throat> they're having in this genre, right? Uh, cops with dogs, you know, the movies are so sporadic and that really should just be a signal to not make these kinds of movies. Right. I mean, we had the max movies. There's that one with Dean Kane, something for the hearts or whatever. Um, and then there's dog with Channing Tatum. And even that was a box office failure. So I think it has, it should come to Hollywood's attention. Do not make these movies, but besides which, when I watched this, I was just, the overriding question I had was, who was this movie made for? Yes, right? I was going to say that as well. Because when I think about K-9 and I think about Turner and Hooch and, you know, Tom Hanks in his underwear with a dog, whatever. You know, I'm thinking, like, there at least the, there's at least a family bent to it, right? But then this opens and it's like a white nationalist rally with apparently the same uh uh fan base when they pan around to the people in the audience of like the the foot recruiting kids from the tmnt or whatever like it almost looks like that right it's shot that yeah, way see what some v- vcrs and you know watching hitler movies yeah right exactly, exactly. um you know who was this made for because it, it it starts with that and then you know the introduction of chuck norris as you know almost like a Mel Gibson offshoot from Lethal Weapon, right? He's like a drunk and whatever. Um, he's suspended, although we don't know why he's suspended. Um, and then there's this dog that rescues a baby. There are so many lapses. I think lapses. we know why
2: he was suspended. Did you see how many laws he broke just on oh, this God. investigation? Oh, yes, of yeah, course. So he's let's, a course.
1: terrible cop. Yeah, he of was course.
2: suspended because he's a terrible cop.
1: Okay. So. But there's so many lapses in like, like logic and 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 plot narrative like in the beginning there's this fire right so then grandpa and reno decide oh we'll just go into the building no that he doesn't put on any protective gear he just goes in and then the dog jumps in and you know rescues the the baby or what have you but the whole movie just appears to take place in an alternate universe an alternate universe where the chief is reading the record of reno the dog and he's referring to him as Sergeant Reno. Sergeant Reno has 116 arrests and 118 convictions, just like you. Like they treat this dog like it's an actual person. Well, yeah, like I you see, see a, dog he, has a through, you know, he has a badge. He has a badge. He is an actual person. Yes. He wears and a, and badge I swear in the station. that somehow, I guess through alcoholism, Chuck Norris can communicate with his dog because they appear to have conversations. Um, they appear and be, so, they, because
2: the dog can talk.
1: And, and so you go through this story, this ridiculous story where they're trying to like figure out who murdered his his official owner, the, the grandpa, which also explains why the kids listening to the police scanners, I guess he's being groomed to be law enforcement. Um, but then you get the sneaking in of these weird vignettes where like you know, the dog is sort of like interacting with people and their plate is like comedic, like kids movie scenes, right? So there's a scene where he's feeding him and the dog decides to eat his cold rotisserie chicken, which apparently that's, you know, his diet, cold rotisserie chicken and alcohol. And then there's another where the kid takes the the dog to a dog show. And he appears to be flirting with all the other dogs and then steals the award. And then there's a dress up montage with the dog. Like, what am I watching? Right. And then at the end of that montage, the dog, get this, the dog drives the car away. And then <laughs> the kid kind of looks at the camera, breaks the fourth wall. And is like, dogs do funny things. <laughs> and then like you know, it just moves on to the next scene where there's like gun runners in C four, and like you know, people who are want to assassinate, uh, you know, the Pope, and talking uh,
0: about Jews and yeah, yeah, it was heiling Hitler and all this stuff. You're it like, oh, was
1: like, oh. nuts, and in and in between all of that, there is just the production design is out of control. Like <laughs> there is there is, if you want to watch the movie, there is a lot to see that's in the background. Uh, believe it or not, I had to watch this twice because I was just so confounded. You watched this but twice. I watched it twice. Oh my oh God. God. Um, oh my I God. I was oh. so confounded by this. <laughs> I'm but, so like, <laughs> but like, if you look at, if you look at Chuck Norris's apartment, like why are his boxers on the top of the elk, the mounted, like stuffed elk head? Like, why is that there? Why does his mother have this bizarre banana bowl, which is like porcelain bananas? It's, it, the production design's out of control. You watched but it there's... twice
2: to pick up on details <laughs> about his
1: mother's banana bowl. I, and other details in the production design are crazy. God. Banana bowl is his
0: nickname name. in high school, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, well, Brad Banana Bowl. <laughs> another, another weird vignette. They're talking about going undercover, and this wacko woman comes out of nowhere and she's like, I want to be undercover too. And she has the same Joe Piscopo crack. Ha, uh, like steroid energy. And then she, the character hey, never does comes back. back. Does she ever come back? she never come back? She says she's going to shave her head back. though. Yeah. And it's like, why is she there? Meanwhile, there are two action scenes, which aren't, there's three, but there's two that weren't bad. The sort of clown assassination attack. I kind of dug that. That was bizarre. And then the, um, the, the, uh the industrial, the industrial plant like beatdown, where it's chuck norris versus 25 guys it's chuck norris's stunt double versus 25 mm, exactly. guys. exactly i was gonna say i i feel like that stunt double was gary daniels or whatever because i'm like chuck never had that flexibility he never moves that fast like what the hell's going he on he did
2: too just
1: back in the 70s mm, i will say this though at some point i just checked my brain and when they're driving and the dog is like sliding around, <sighs> I actually started to giggle, dude, and like laugh. Okay, so I mean,
2: <laughs> out of these two films, <laughs> that sequence made me laugh so hard. Guys, uh, nice,
0: what are we doing? That,
1: that dog, I no, listen, so
2: hard I when it's too. sliding
1: around. It was yes. the best scene. David
2: and I were crying because that dog's expression—it is, it is price, It's so good. It's great. Um, and it then they so seatbelt him. Yes. Because he's holding the seatbelt in his mouth like, please, God, seatbelt me. Please,
1: somebody seatbelt me.
2: Yes. <laughs> that was
1: funny. So anyway, I mean, the movie is just, it's a disaster from beginning to end. And I, I don't know how Chuck Norris got involved. I don't know how the Norris dynasty got involved in this, but it was just bad choices all around. And by the way, the dog breed is, it's called a Briand. It's a, it's a French breed. It's a working breed it's very active it's a herder um I think the story goes Thomas Jefferson like bought one for his wife and it was pregnant and that's how they came to the you know US or whatever but um, it's a beautiful dog and the dog's really well trained and kind of funny and a good dog actor if we're talking about those things but the movie's just it's miserable it's absolutely miserable
2: uh let's talk about some of the positives of this okay so
1: <laughs> there's
2: I, positives there are there's some two explosions let's let's talk about the dog the dog is the best actor in the film yeah um we talked about that sequence in the back of the police car which <laughs> i out of this week that made me laugh the hardest of all the stuff i've seen um and then that dress up sequence oh when when the when the dog is wearing a fire helmet hat and it starts to slide and his expression is like what the hell is going on yeah. That it was, was fun my too. head. It was amazing. Amazing. But what's amazing about this film, you ask why people like, why can Chuck Norris know what this dog is thinking or whatever? I, it's because they did ADR work on the dog and the dog is always making noises like it's trying to talk. I mean, to the point where it sounds like it's saying a cuss word at one point. <laughs> so it's always. It's <laughs> like it's like a, like a Scooby Doo thing throughout this whole film. Down to, like, the fake pants and everything else. It's hilarious. The The ADR dog stuff. The dog is actually a good actor, but the ADR work they do on top of the dog is ridiculous.
1: Those vocals are by Frank Welker, who is a very well-known animated voiceover guy who does, like, sound effects like that. Are you serious? So, yes.
0: Like, it's it's really Welker?
1: Yeah. It is Frank Frank Welker. If you look at the credits, it is
0: Optimus Prime himself.
1: Optimus Prime yeah. is Reno. Optimus Prime did the voice work for Reno. The other
2: thing is, I guess in hindsight, <laughs> okay. it, it,
0: I'll add it. I'll add a half a star to that.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah.
2: So the, the other thing, uh, I guess this is why it got the negative one. When I think if I take a step back, I probably shouldn't have graded a one. It probably should be a negative two. Um, because by the end of the film, the dog is like murdered four people by pushing them off the ledge of something, right? So he's yeah. tougher than Chuck Norris because Chuck Norris doesn't really murder anybody and definitely smarter too. Uh, I, this thing gets um, gets a star, if not two stars, for having a sequence where Chuck Norris is beating the crap out of clowns. Uh, we need more of that in films. And I always knew clowns were Nazis, but it was fun mm-hmm. to see somebody like <laughs> kicking the shit out of a clown, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then another side note I guess clowns that are also Nazis know parkour and flippies because they're doing that all over the place
1: Uh, wait Troy I did I did like when Reno gets the last one and then he honks honks, the nose nose. (laughs) see you think
2: that's funny I find that terrifying Um, (laughs) so there's another sequence that I laughed really freaking hard on and it wasn't because of the film. So towards the towards the back end of the film, because Tabitha's and Angel are watching this with me, they're trying to figure out like what's gonna happen next and, and where these people are gonna strike. And and Chuck's mom goes, eh, I think it's gonna be tomorrow. And Chuck is like, Well, why do you say that? Well, cause tomorrow's Hitler's birthday. <laughs> we're all like, Oh my God, what? is Chuck's mom a Nazi too? Like, yeah. who knows Hitler's How- birthday? Yeah,
0: so, in 1995, yeah. no one except for white nationalists knew when Hitler's birthday was, and those guys from Columbine. Oh, okay,
2: so and that's not what made me laugh. This is why I was in tears after this. So after that sequence where Chuck Norris's mom is like, "Hey, Chuck, tomorrow is going to be the hit because tomorrow's Hitler's birthday." Chuck goes back to the police station, and he's like, "Look, tomorrow's Hitler's birthday. You got to like scrounge up all of the neo Nazis and all the racists in the city." And Tabitha from the side goes, and start with my mom, <laughs> and we all lost.
0: <laughs> so okay. <laughs> so also that happens to be the same day as the Coalition for Racial Unity. They just did it on Hitler's birthday
1: as well. Why not? Brought to his attention by the black female detective. Yeah. Yes.
2: Uh, <laughs> this this film is terrible, but yeah, it 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 is the level of terrible where I had wished we had watched this over funky monkey, because there, there is a, there is a level of bad film where it's hard to make fun of because it's just bad. There is a film that comes along that is so ridiculous, stupid, makes no sense. You have this dog who's being ADR would by Optimus prime and all these other things that I got to say, I actually had fun watching this because we had more jokes about this film. Than sidekicks and everything else. I mean, sidekicks actually has some quality to it. There is zero quality to this thing outside of Chuck Norris kicking a clown in the face. I do enjoy that. Um, and, and that, that dog sliding in the back seat. that is comedy gold, but I I'll say this, this film is, is fun to watch with somebody and to just make fun of it. Like I, I would love if there was a riff tracks version or mystery science theater of this because I think there is some comedy gold in here because of how bad it is. Um, it is a, it is of the two films. This is the worst one. Clearly. I agree with you, Brad. It's, it is a hate crime. It's a film about hate crimes and it ends up being a hate crime,
1: being a hate crime. How so, ironic
2: is that? But
0: Jose, how yes. many laws does Mr. Jake Wilder break in this
1: movie? Uh, every single one of them. Um, you know, at least in that first scene when he walks into the the, the office, at least the thugs are at least the thugs or the guy behind the desk is like, "Hey, do you have a warrant or whatever?" Right? He just grabs the log, grabs what would be evidence, and tears a page out of it. Right? <laughs> at you know, at the end when he's like beating the guy and he's like, "I'm going to arrest you or whatever," like doesn't give him his Miranda, but makes him confess to the murder because the dog's going to chew his nuts off if he doesn't. Right? But, yeah, just breaking and entering. They do a no lot of warrants. Yeah, no like, warrants. you know, no probable cause for anything. It's just, oh, I think this is where they are. You know, the, fourth it's, of,
0: the Fourth Amendment, you know, it's no, not bad. Doesn't it. exist. They, they
1: do
2: acknowledge needing a warrant at one point, And then Chuck's like, don't care going in. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. And then the other two it's cops funny. get murdered because but they didn't break the law. To be
0: fair, we love the Maverick cop. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Up until I think
0: about five years ago, we were like, maybe cops shouldn't have this sort of power and we shouldn't worship these kind of cops. Because, well, let's
2: let's that, be honest. We all love the dog Maverick cop. OK, because dog Maverick. Well, cops maybe you are, do. I don't. I oh, I do. love the dog Maverick cop. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Nineties were man. If you ever want to you ever want to watch a film and go, wow, that was a different time. This is one of those films like the early 90s. Kind of crazy.
1: And did they ever explain why the C4 had Russian lettering on it, which, by the way, means demolition, whatever was written on there was like um, Padriniya. Padrine, uh, um. But all the white nationalists were like German and stuff. Where yeah. did the Russian come into it?
0: Yeah, uh, you know,
2: I did learn we wrap ours in foil or something, and they do theirs in plastic. Yes. I did learn that from this film.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: So next time I run across some C four, I'll know which one's American versus Russian based on how. And wrap you
1: it. can barely just diffuse a bomb by pulling one wire. True. True. Which was not the wire that the chief said to pull well, because
0: you never listen to me. You don't listen to exactly. the chief exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, I God, did that learn was such a
2: weird note
0: d- <laughs> yeah. dogs
2: can have PTSD. I think I knew this, but you know, the dramatic turn that the dog has with its nightmares are really good. Uh, yes.
1: Where have you seen that? A dog nightmare. I that don't... was, that was bizarre. Absolutely yeah, the, bizarre.
2: The ADR work and that sequence was very touching.
1: Uh, um, Oh yes. And just as a trigger warning, you know, th- after his owner is killed, they do unfortunately like shoot the dog. Yeah, and they then, throw it overboard and throw a very convincing dog dummy into the water. I it was a little distressing when I saw it. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> what else am I in for? Well, we
0: all were way more sad about the dog than we were about that old man.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well,
2: let's face it, we cared about the dog in this film. Yeah, that old man had it coming. Yeah, he totally had it coming. Well, he didn't have a warrant either. He's just no, in there.
0: Shouldn't have been there.
2: No. Yeah. The, I think the dog was trying to warn him, but uh, Second
0: Amendment motherfucker, you're on my property. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you knew something bad was going to happen to him because he comes out of that donut shop. Donut shop. He comes out mm. of the donut shop and he's wearing a members only jacket. So mm. you know he was going to die. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> uh, no, I, hey, look, out of, I had,
2: uh, I had fun watching this, but I, I had fun because we were tearing it apart. And I'm telling you, when, when Tabitha yelled at that, start with my mom. That and the dog sliding back and forth were the highlights of the of the view for it.
1: It would make an excellent group watch. We'll have to screen it at your house one day. We will, but you know, yeah.
2: um we're <laughs> we're gonna be slightly under the influence when it happens too. So uh, any other any other thoughts on this one? Top dog. Would nothing else? No. Good. Nope. All right. Uh, Brad, I'm gonna start with you. Top dog. Is it a bomb?
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yes. A hundred percent a bomb.
2: Okay. Um, Jose.
1: If there ever was a bomb that was a real bomb, it is this bomb. Okay. Top dog bomb.
2: I uh, the movie is a bomb. My my time watching it with uh, my daughter and wife making fun of it was not Uh, that was fun. Um, But yeah, this I'm just I don't know amazed that this stuff was in the theaters. That is just amazing to me. I'm amazed at the stuff they show on streaming. So I guess that's
1: where all this product went to. But wow. Um, man, movies. Yeah, I joke. I even jokingly said that like that end sequence, it's almost like a joke. A, the Pope, a rabbi and an African yeah. priest go into yeah. a limousine. Yep. <laughs> it's like, what, what the? Yeah, it's too much. This movie, I don't know. Maybe Aaron Norris should never make movies again. I agree. I agree with that statement. <laughs> Maybe um, you should have never made movies at all. Oh, uh, well, look at his resume. Yeah, if you do
2: look at his resume. They're, they're pretty junk. Yeah. So I that's a good discussion. I mean, hey, I'll say this. I'm glad I got to see more Chuck Norris movies from the nineties where I just have a blind spot for. Um, I've I've only seen a couple of them, like the the Hitman, Hellbound, some of those that came out in the early nineties, other Aaron Norris films. Yeah. I, I'm glad I got to experience these. I, I can tell you, I'm not gonna watch that forced warrior or presence man or some of the other stuff that falls in there. Nope. Um, I'll go back and, and watch my Chuck from the 80s because I I think there are some gems. But uh you know, I'm glad we got to talk about old Chuck. It, it's a good discussion. We have some feedback, Brad. We got two uh, letters. I'm gonna I'm gonna read them if you're good with that. Okay, yeah, okay. So first one from Michael. Uh, hello, there, not a bombers. I thoroughly enjoyed your coverage of the beloved Rocketeer, which at the very least should have been a sleeper hit. I recall seeing the trailers for the film, which caught my attention immediately. But someone sitting next to me thought it looks stupid. No, I thought you are stupid, you dumbass. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it's an amazing film, which I think has grown in reputation over the years. It has a charm about it, which we don't see much of now. As always, keep up the good work. Agree 1,000%, Michael. Rocketeer is one of our favorites. (laughs) I've had a lot of fun over the week just taking all my Rocketeer stuff up and uh, putting it on our socials. Um, Yeah, you
0: have a lot of stuff, dude.
2: I, I didn't show it all either. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> The Rocketeer was so good. It played at the it played at the Senator and I went in and watched key sequences when I should have been working like like every showing. <laughs> I love that movie. That is
2: so this for for those on the East Coast, the Senator is one of the older films still in Baltimore that's operating theaters, right? Theaters. theaters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um and it's gorgeous. Like it it still has its old um I guess feel to it. They've added a couple of theaters to the side of it that are about the size of like a living room theater, but the main auditorium, it still has this, I don't know, art deco style to it. Very similar to what you would find of that time period of the Rocketeer. The sound system is actually really good in it, Um, but I would love to see the Rocketeer in that or the Mm -hmm. Parkway would be another excellent venue for it. So good. Uh, I have one more piece of feedback. I thought this one is really good. It is from ryan uh it came from the submission form that we have on the website and he put a subject line on there one from the heart so here we go hello troy and brad i wanted to write and thank you both for the great podcast it's been a rough few years and listening to you guys has been fun and more importantly it's helped me remember why i love movies so much it's honestly rekindled my joy for the art and i can't express how much that means I also can't help but offer one suggestion for an upcoming show as well. I'd be thrilled if you did an episode on Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart, as it's a fascinating piece of history, no matter what one thinks of the film itself. It would make for a great conversation. Thanks again. Keep up all the good work, Ryan. Oh, that was awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. So I don't know what's happened to me as I've gotten older, but I've, I've become way more emotional. And that one got me not gonna lie. Aww. That one got me. Uh,
2: me too. Um, and I think it's been a rough couple of years for everybody. Yeah. Uh, COVID was tough getting adjusted. I lost, uh, some really close friends during COVID, uh, that I didn't expect, meaning even people that were younger than me, um, that I'd known for decades. And then even coming out of it, that whole adjustment, um, uh, was tough. I, I think it still is. Cause I mean, you're going from COVID into sort of some harsh economic times, international war, stuff like that. So I think everybody's being uh, affected the rights of
0: people being stripped away. You yeah. Know, whatever. It's, it's been a, it's
2: been a tough year. Um, I've always appreciated movies, not from an escapist perspective, but really what happens before and after the film, because you connect with people as a result of films. Uh, and I'll give you two examples. Um, in, in high school, one of my friends had committed suicide, Gracie. Mm. And the, the first time I've ever talked about it, my dad had taken me to film. One of the things that my dad always did, we always showed up 20, 30 minutes before the film, because just sitting in a movie theater before the movie starts, I feel like we had some of our best conversations. Uh, and, and that was, I just remember that moment where it was like, yeah, I'm ready to talk about how I feel about this. And I can't remember the film, but I remember just pouring all that out in front of my dad at that segment before that movie started, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And it, it always reminded me like, that's what films do brings you together. And then even last night, my, my daughter, her birthday's coming up a couple of weeks and she wanted to celebrate by just watching young Frankenstein in the backyard. So she's like, can you have Jose over Randy? I mean, she's, she's listing all of my friends, which she considers her friends, plus her friends. And, and we got together last night, cooked out and, uh, uh Jose, um, your significant other scooter, uh, yeah. had never seen young Frankenstein. So that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, she but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Ryan a hundred percent. Like for me, Movies are one of those things that has always been a constant in my life. but it's not ever so much of the film that has been the most impactful thing, but it's the things that happen before the lights go out and then the stuff that occurs when you're bringing people together. so this this email hit me too because it was just a constant reminder on, hey, we don't do the podcast for the numbers. and I mean, it's cool, the people we've met and and some of the things that have happened as a result of it. but, this is just an excuse for us to get together and, and talk. Um, and it just happens like this week we talk about Chuck Norris and it's a fun conversation, even though the the movies may not, um, I don't know, reach the elevation of quality. I think it provides a quality experience.
0: Yeah. And movies also, if you meet someone who enjoys watching movies, like you immediately have something in common with them. And then you're like, what's your favorite movie? Who's your favorite director, yeah, who's your favorite actor? Like, all these questions start coming, and like, oh, we like the same things, or we you know, we might not see eye to eye on this one, but we see eye to eye on this, and it it just regardless of what people's background are or where they come from. If someone likes movies, you immediately have something in common and it just can build on that. Um so, it, you know, it, film is also weird, right? Because it's like business and all this other stuff comes into it too. But at the end of the day, you want to see something or, or people are making things to, I don't know, make, I don't know if make a difference is the right thing, but just make art. And, you know, I haven't seen Nope yet, but I want to, and I'm going to see it soon. People might not like it, but I've seen so many people saying, hey, it's stuck with me. It's done this, it's done that. Like, that's what movies are. Um, yeah, it's,
2: it's the great equalizer, but at the same time, it can be the great divider. It's like anything. It's how you, you choose to it. But I find people who come at it from the great equalizer perspective. Uh, I've, I've met some of my best relationships as a result of that.
1: You know, the power, the power of film is, is incredible, right? It can be something as, you know, cheesy as top dog and something as you know, heartfelt is some of our Oscar winner best pictures or something that makes you feel something emotionally. And, um, you know, me growing up when I would go to the movie theaters, like it was not uncommon for an audience to start clapping when the credits rolled, or Mm -hmm. when I saw Rocky four and they, you know, he knocked out Drago, everybody stood up and just started clapping. Like they were at a concert or something, you know? And, um, or, or, at you know, at the end of Dirty Dancing, people clapped and stood up and, like, applauded the screen. We don't get that anymore. And I think during, you know, even during the pandemic, I, I had this fear that I was never going to experience something like that, that I was never going to go back to a theater again. I was I was never going to be shoulder to shoulder with a complete stranger who at the end of a movie was going to turn to me and be like, that was frigging good. Or, are you crying too? Here's some tissue, you know? <laughs> and so, it, you know, it. I, Ryan's, Ryan's letter was very heartfelt, and I think he is talking about a lot of things we've all gone through, and And hopefully the the magic of movies doesn't, you know, go away. Like, I was a little mad I missed my uh, 3D screening of Thor Love and Thunder, but nonetheless, you know, I I love going to movies, and I love being part of, you know, this sort of collective connection with with strangers in a darkened room watching a movie yeah you, and, you, and what it brings out in us
0: you go into a room with 200 strangers and you come out and you all have the same experience
2: yeah. yeah well ryan thank you so much for the letter and the email brad if anybody wants to write out to us i mean you can reach us on our, our social media platforms they all have some kind of messaging component to it we do respond but uh brad how, how does everybody get a hold of us
0: yeah that's not about pod at gmail.com you can go to our website, notabombpodcast.com and hit the contact us button like Ryan did and leave us a message there. Like Troy said, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we'll get back to you on those things. Thanks for everyone for uh, reaching out on a lot of our posts and, and answering our questions and all sorts of stuff. So we've had a lot of good engagement lately, and we appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. I do, we usually, I mean, we're, we're not professional film critics by any standards. I think when Jose comes on the show, he classes us up a little bit with actual yeah. facts. Uh, I was doing the editing of last week's Rocketeer podcast, and oh, I, yes. I, I do want to have one correction. So yeah. uh, Brad got me talking about Timothy Dalton, and we were talking about uh, Timothy Dalton as James Bond. So one little correction, Brad had asked, oh, so your favorite— uh, cuz I had said my favorite was the first Timothy Dalton film and Brad said what Brad license to kill right mm-hmm. and I agree No I didn't I didn't say No, oh, I, no 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 okay either way You said it don't I put this it. on
0: me <laughs> It's on me it's on me <laughs> you, you said I don't even remember. My favorite is his first one License to Kill and I was like wait a minute I don't think that's right but Troy would know so I'm not going to correct him I don't know if it went down that way but you know what no. I let's oh. listen, no, I'm just going
2: to <laughs> play the tape. It's Anyways, Timothy daylights. Dalton's first <laughs> James Bond outing, The Living Daylights, is the one that I do like. Uh, I just got so excited. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> Nobody wrote it. It's it's not like anybody was writing in and talking about, like, the top gun debacle when I said uh, Air Force and not Navy. Yeah. Um cool that one that one was that one, that was, one funny. was bad people yeah. or erupted. the bollywood or the yeah, bollywood, the bollywood oh, yes. one was yeah uh but i hey i appreciate that look same same thing when you talk about films it's not so much about the accuracy of the content sometimes but it's how you how it makes you feel right that's the most important yeah, thing.
0: i'm still i'm still yeah. perfect so
2: you know it's, it's oh. fine <laughs> right uh what are we talking about next week brad i have no idea what's on the schedule
0: uh yeah, we're talking about what is it? 2004's Throwdown? Is that correct? <gasps> oh yeah, yeah. We're trying yeah. to. S- oh, it was my pick.
2: Ne- duh. Yeah. Next week is uh, Throwdown. So full disclosure, uh, we we love inserting, um, kind of I, I don't know what you would call these like films that not a lot of people know about. They're international. Maybe they not got not got a formal release over here but it's a great way for us to talk about our Asian action cinema. Uh, And then the Uh other thing, Brad, they
0: always bomb. They usually always bomb domestically. They always bomb domestically
2: or they never get released. Right. So this also presented an opportunity for us to talk about probably if you're talking about Mount Rushmore directors, we found a loophole within our, (laughs) our bylaws to, to find a way to talk about Akira Kurosawa, So you'll get to hear about that connection next week when we talk about throwdown, because we're also going to talk about an Akira Kurosawa film. So Mm -hmm. if you do your homework and your research, you'll find out what we're talking about if you want to play along. But yeah, next week we are talking about throwdown and, and for everybody it's a Johnny toe film. You can get it uh, through criterion. They have a great DVD and Blu-ray special edition. Uh we may have a guest next week we're still working through the details.
1: The I hope that half
0: off sale is still running through the end of the month so if you Oh yeah 50%
1: off. You get
0: it by the end of the month. 50%. My wallet
1: hates you yeah. for reminding me of that.
2: Yes. So I would encourage everybody uh to go out and in some fashion either buy the film borrow it from a friend but uh yeah we're going to talk about Johnny Toast Throwdown.
1: It appears to be streaming on if you also have the ancillary a service of Haya on um, Prime Video. I think it's streaming oh. on there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's this is, uh, you said Johnny Toe, right? Yes. Also Correct. known as Yao long Fubong. Mm-hmm. Yes. hmm Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's going to yeah, be an, an interesting
2: conversation. He's an interesting director. I think uh, when we talk about Asian film in general, I think he gets a little bit of love, but he doesn't get the love um, that enough. a John Ru- Wu, Ringo Lam... Jackie Chan Samuel Hong so we're hoping to course correct that next week and um, look if you play along and tune in uh, next week you're going to have a list of films that we hope you're going to run out and try and see as well so it's it's going to be fun i'm excited about that Jose can't thank you enough man um i'm excited you came on to this episode uh, <laughs> this was fun thank you this was a blast love you
0: Jose we
1: absolutely I love you love guys you. thanks for having me The listeners can't see, but Troy has a virtual background on his zoom. That is, uh, it's a Chuck Norris missing in action. So Chuck has been staring at me as I've been criticizing these two films. Do
2: you you want me to take a picture of it and post it? If everybody wants to say cheese and then, oh, look at us there. Live picture. We'll get that posted. There we go. Uh, Brad, anything else I'm missing?
0: no don't get any more james bound james bond facts wrong buddy or i'm coming after you
2: dude i'm gonna do my best i really i really try I mean, i'm not jose you? here that's like the walking encyclopedia you? of every <laughs> film ever known Encyclopedia. it's uh, yeah that one yes yeah. <laughs> uh i don't know if you're listening in the morning the afternoon or evening thank you for downloading the episodes uh please play along i'm i really want people to check out next week's movie i think you're gonna enjoy it it's really interesting We're going to have a great discussion about it. Uh, So with that, enjoy your week.
0: Walker told me I have (laughs) AIDS.